Hello. Thank you guys so much for joining me here on the High Ground Podcast. Um, you guys all cosplay uh, some of my absolute favorite characters. And whenever you're, whenever you're cosplaying, normally there's some sort of connection to the character. There's a reason why you love them. And so that's why you know, I do this because I love talking to people about the things that they love. So I'm excited to jump into it. Um, I want to start out by kind of going around uh, in a circle. I'll start with Rick first, but I want to ask, you know, who are you? <laughs> um, how, how did, did you, you get, get in here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you get into Star Wars? And, you know, what is it that draws you in about Anakin? Yeah. So uh, first of all, thanks so much for, for having me, for having us. This is really cool. And I just, you know, I've been looking forward to it. So um, so my name is Rick. Um, I am a cosplayer. I, I cosplay uh, mostly Anakin. I've done a few other cosplays in the past, other Star Wars cosplays, but this is the one that I've really kind of owned and put a lot of effort into. Um, I'm a member of the a couple of the costume clubs, the Rebel Legion, the 501st, um, nice. and, uh, that's been a big part of how I kind of got into the Star Wars community. Um, I'm really active on, um, on social media and spend a lot of time collaborating with these two and, and creating TikToks and pictures and memes and stuff. And that's honestly what I do with my time. I, I put very little time effort into work or family or friendships or anything. I do mostly, <laughs> Anakin, <laughs> mostly Anakin stuff and everything else is secondary. <laughs> Uh, that's that's awesome, um, yeah. And so, why why Anakin specifically? Is there? Yeah. So Anakin, I would say, was always probably the most interesting character to me. So I, I want to clarify: not he's not the character I most admire because there's a lot of things about Anakin that we shouldn't, <laughs> you know, admire. But um, but for me, like when I've watched the original trilogy, I was always kind of fascinated by the idea that you know, here's Darth Vader, he's this kind of fearsome armored villain, and he's juxtaposed with this idea that there was this human underneath who was once, you know, a loving and caring father and Jedi and kind of beacon of hope. Um, and, and I'm always fascinated by the idea of like, well, how did, how did one become the other? So like, you know, that's why Anakin has always kind of interested me, you know, he interested me first when I saw the original trilogy, and I wanted to know more about him, he interested me when the prequels came out and they kind of explained to us more about how he became who, who, who he would become later. Um, and so, you know, he's always been a really fascinating character for me. I feel like Anakin is kind of the vehicle through which George Lucas explores psychology, good and evil, you know, how a good person can become a bad person, you know? Um, so, so for all those reasons, I mean, he's really just kind of the most interesting character to, for, for me personally. He's also everywhere. So like, you know, he's in the, obviously the prequels, he's in the cartoons, um, you know, you know, he, he's in the original trilogy and he has connections with characters all around, you know, the, the saga. Um, and he's also kind of the butt of a lot of jokes now. So, so I appreciate that because I, I really like humor. So, you know, a lot of the, the content that I, you know, kind of try to create is a lot of like self-deprecating stuff. So, you know, it all deals with sand and not being a master and, you know, the high ground and the low ground and younglings and uh, just, you know, kind of being whiny. So, so many reasons I enjoy, enjoy Anakin. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. I mean, because in a lot of ways, you know, Anakin is 
start the, the catalyst of, of what we all love. So, um, yeah, I've always been a huge fan. And yes, he's whiny, but he's whiny because Luke was whiny first and they wanted to <laughs> draw a through line, you know, back to that. Um, and also he had a lot of good reason to be whiny. So, <laughs> Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, right, uh, how about, how about you, uh, Jason or Lebo Juan Kenobi as, as you're known, who are sure, you? you, can, you get or you can in? call me Lebo. Uh, what's the question? Um, how did I get into star Wars or why Kenobi? Yeah. Well, who, who are you? How did oh. you get into star Wars and why Kenobi? Okay. Uh, well, I'm Jason or Lebo Juan Kenobi, or you could just call me Lebo. Um, so I happen to have a unique perspective on Star Wars, and that is I was molded by it. I saw the prequels when I was already a man. Um, <laughs> I was, I was um, I'm old. And so uh, I was born in 1969. And uh, so I was um, eight years old when Star Wars came out in 77. And I just remember just absolutely loving it. And um, it's, it just really changed my life. And um, especially back then when, you know, we had science fiction and um, I actually plan on doing, I started a new segment on my TikTok, which is growing up with Star Wars. And I'm gonna talk about before Star Wars uh, soon. And so we did have science fiction like Lost in Space, Superman, the original King Kong, uh, even, um, you know, other shows. And so but Star Wars really changed everything, just the production. And it's one of the, uh, I think it's one of the first fandoms. I mean, I guess Star Trek came out first, but Star Wars, the way George did it with the toys and the uh, tie-ins, I don't think there was like Burger King and McDonald's glasses when other movies came out until Star Wars. So um, as far as Obi-Wan, I remember as a kid getting cards and not being too psyched getting the Alec Guinness card. Um, it's probably my second least favorite card. My least favorite card was the Stormtrooper. Um, but, you know, when the prequels came out, and I like the prequels, um, I think Ewan McGregor really just brought a new light to the character and seeing how he's not a perfect Jedi and that he's flawed. And it just, um, he just became like a really super appealing character to me. Um, and then over time, I began to realize that Alec Guinness was, an amazing, you know, he was an amazing actor before he came out of Star Wars. He was probably a huge get for George Lucas, but oh, looking back at it on what a, a wise mentor he was, um, as far as, as why I cosplay him is, um, so I'm also in the Rebel Legion in the 501st. And, uh, and um, so I first joined the Rebel Legion just as a generic Jedi. In the Rebel Legion, you have to go through a, a judging panel to get judged on your costume for, especially a face character. You have to have certain criteria. And I went in just as a generic Jedi, but everyone kept on calling me Obi-Wan, even though I was not Obi-Wan, because I had a <laughs> you know, beige tunic and they're like, oh, master, um, general. And so I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go for Obi-Wan. So I researched the costume extensively, got all the components needed, uh, got judged and um, just got approved. Um, Your beard looks really realistic, by the way. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that helps with the Obi-Wan, um, uh, selling the Obi-Wan. Um, I, I have the same habit as you and McGregor, of uh, just kind of just, uh, just stroking my beard, um, <laughs> and, and just, uh, being, um, I think the, the thing I, things I have in common with Obi-Wan is just, uh, being thoughtful, um, and just always just kind of like analyzing things around him, being mindful of my thoughts. 
Um, my, my family will say that I, I can be patient at times. Um, and, you know, uh, I, 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 through the revolution, I formed a really good friendship with uh, Rick and I'm his mentor. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, it's uh, true. Rick has actually taught, taught me a, a lot of things um, about life and, and actually being comedy. But um, I just, I just feel like Obi Wan is just a, an overall great character, a negotiator, um, just someone who doesn't like to fly, but is a great pilot, a great fighter who doesn't like to fight. He's just an all around. Yeah. Jedi. Again, he's flawed, but he's. Uh, an amazing character. No, that's what I was thinking when you said uh, that you can be patient because mm -hmm. that's that's what Obi Wan was like. He was patient at times for short bits. Mm -hmm. um, it would be like you know we need to think this out rationally and then jump out a window. Uh, the <laughs> Head very out a window. Next <laughs> mm -hmm. like, I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and hi, Jasmine. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to have you on. Um, yeah, same question. Uh, who are you? How'd you get into Star Wars? And what is it about Ahsoka? I'm Jasmine. Um, you might know me as that one nerdy fangirl. I'm a big fangirl. I'm in a lot of fandoms, but primarily Star Wars. Um, I pretty much have been in the Star Wars fandom since I was pretty young. I grew up with the prequels. Um, so that's what I remember seeing first. I actually don't know if I saw the originals first, but I'm pretty sure it was the pre prequels. Um, I remember going to the movie theater with my family and um, I'm mainly in Star Wars because of my mom. She's also a big nerd like me. You know, she loves Star Wars, Star Trek, everything. So I got it from her <laughs> um, and I cosplay Ahsoka. That's, that's literally all I do now. <laughs> What's work? I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, what was the last question? Why Ahsoka? Yeah, yeah, what's special about Ahsoka? What, what made you choose her? And yeah. Yeah, that's hard. I just, I don't think I've ever connected with a character as much as I do Ahsoka. And she's just, I think she's just like everything I want to be. And also I do, I do find bits of me in her, but she's also like what, what I would like to be. And she's like an inspiration and motivation for me. Just, you know, she's, she makes mistakes, but she learns from them. She's, she's a leader. She's, you know, she has, you know, she has moods. She's also patient, but she's impatient. She's, she's very human in a way, you know, <laughs> she's human. She's a Jedi, but she's not a Jedi. And she's just, you know, she's a great, well-written character. Um, I just absolutely love everything that they've done with her. Dave Filoni has been so great with her character so that's yeah. why i cosplay her um and yeah it's it's awesome and i always love because i see you guys all interact separately with each other through duets and stuff and it's 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 cool um you know what's funny so could we also just talk about um jasmine's ahsoka and how far it's come you know i joined tiktok <laughs> i think in april and i think her costume was face paint and and like mm -hmm. ponytails or right. pigtails yeah and and, and <laughs> she's come so far uh with her co her cosplay is honestly you probably could apply to the rebel legion um and get approved but um yeah. and as far and as to the, me the, she is i mean she yeah, is she really, she really <laughs> is i see I, I do see a couple other ahsoka cosplayers where i was like oh 
an Ahsoka cosplayer, and I right. suggest I'm like, well, that is Ahsoka. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and that's part of Ahsoka too, right? That she evolves over time. Like she's, I think, the character that in some oh, ways yeah. evolves the most when you look at her in Clone Wars, even just within Clone Wars, like from the beginning to end, she's almost a completely different person. Right. Um, Absolutely. And then in Absolutely. Rebels, and now Mando. It's and just like... we are going to break all of those down. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great segue. Yeah. Uh, so I actually wanted to sit, so, I mean, her journey kind of goes the furthest of any of the characters. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to start with uh, with Obi-Wan uh, first. And um, coincidentally, I'm also starting with Jason on this one. But let's actually start the, the beginning because um, just real quick, I want to talk specifically about Phantom Menace Obi-Wan because he was a very different person in that film um, than, than he was. And so I want to hear your, uh, all of your guys' thoughts. Uh, Jason? Okay, uh, so as, as far as Padawan, Obi-Wan, you can, um, you can see him impatient. You can see him making mistakes already. Um, I think it was in the novelization, the scene where they're on um, Naboo and he's running from a, a battle droid on a, on a speeder bike. He's running because he got his lightsaber wet or damaged and his lightsaber wasn't working. And that's why he was running. So, and again, I think this is cut out or some novelization. Then Qui-Gon had to lecture him on the importance of his lightsaber, which gets mirrored, or Star Wars poetry, it um, gets mirrored in, in Attack of the Clones where he goes to Anakin, he's like, this lightsaber is your life. Um, he's not in Phantom Menace all that much. Uh, obviously he's got the big ending, but... Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, and uh, Dave Filoni mentions this also, you know, when he meets Anakin, the first thing he does is call him a pathetic life form, which probably does some psychological damage to someone. <laughs> um, I think he didn't hear him. Right. <laughs> he was too huffing and puffing from the running in the sand. Uh, the sand everywhere. Um, but then, you know, one of the things I like uh, about Obi-Wan and is his entire journey as a Padawan to Ben is uh, in... I know we're going to get there, but in Rebels, when Maul says, look what has become of you, and Kenobi says, look what I've overcome. And so in Phantom Menace, to see his master uh, get impaled by a lightsaber and then almost lose that fight himself, you know, he he was hanging by a literal thread. And <laughs> and then he used the force to get the uh, Qui-Gon's lightsaber and take the high ground for a split second and then cutting him in half. He, he really has been a lot, not... And, and the worst hasn't even yet to come, but to see his master get impaled. And then what happens next, which is tough for Obi-Wan, is that the day he gets, I guess that was his trials, fighting Maul and killing a Sith Lord. But so the day he's knighted as a Jedi Knight, oh, and you get a Padawan too, um, which is just weird to me. I, I always thought a, a master, I think it's weird that Anakin has a Padawan too, but because I, I think a master should be the one who Padawans. But so... Um, with Phantom Menace, uh, again, he's overcome so much, and you can see his journey of the lot of tragedies in his life in that one in that movie. Yeah. Quick, quick question about something Jason mentioned. So, I could be wrong, isn't it that if you are a knight and you train an apprentice to an a, Pad- a Padawan to to knighthood, then you can become a master? Oh, I don't. That makes I sense. don't know. Yes, that that oh. is one of the requirements. Uh, I was oh. just going to bring that okay. up because that was recently <laughs> confirmed for us. In, in the Star Wars Ooh. book, um, <laughs> oh. I thought I had heard that, but I wasn't sure. Oh, but but yeah. And then uh, Jasmine, your your thoughts on Obi Wan, where we meet him? 
Yeah, I mean, he. I think he has one of. He's also one of the greatest. Um, he has one of the greatest arcs in in Star Wars. I think just seeing him, you know, in Clone Wars and then in the originals and then Rebels. I, it, he's just an amazing character to me too. Yeah. And then uh, your thoughts, uh... yeah. So uh, for me, like I'm looking at it more in terms of like his relationship to Anakin, because you know it's all about Anakin. Just kidding. <laughs> well, um, it is. It's his. It's his. It is. Yeah, but um, no. Essentially, like I think it's interesting to look at like the three films and to you know kind of see the relationship change. So in the first one, like Jason mentioned, you know he really doesn't care about Anakin at all. He sees him more as kind of an annoyance. Like you know who's this pet that Qui Gon picked up? You know on the road. Like we don't need mm-hmm. a little boy, you know, slowing us down. And you know who who the heck is he? Um, episode two, he's you know there. He has a fondness for him, but they're still not equals. And, you know, if you look at most of their uh, conversations in that movie, like it's a lot of lecturing. It's a lot of like, no, don't do this without consulting either myself or the council. And then in episode three, now they're equals. Um, and they really, you know, you, you really see that in a lot of their in, in a lot of their conversations and, and their dynamic. But Phantom Menace, it's, it's just interesting to me how, you know, everything in Star Wars, I think, especially the prequels is all about kind of evolution and, kind of progression and um in in that one it's really you know i think george intentionally made it so that uh uh you know that they're that they wouldn't have a strong connection they don't have that many scenes together the the one scene where he and obi-wan meet you know obi-wan has this look on his face kind of like okay why am i shaking hands with a nine-year-old boy like who are you (laughs) and and it's not until like i think it's not until the end of the movie that they really talk again and it's just to tell him well i'm stuck with you i guess right yeah. Um, and I actually think I, I want to call an audible here. And I, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but rather than us going character by character, I, I think we should go era by era. Okay. Um, I think that would, yeah, I agree. <laughs> because the, they, they interconnect so much that we're going to be retreading the same ground. You know, I wasn't quite thinking about that. But um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's uh, by that token, let's talk about kid. Uh, Kid Anakin, which, by the way, I think Jake Lloyd, uh, he did as great of a job as, as you could with the material. And, you know, I, I wish him the, the best. I think it's, it's sad what, what happened. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was, he was a little boy acting like a little boy. You know? Right. With um, a director, and no offense to George, but with a director who really only says faster and more intense. Um, yeah, he needed he needed a mentor and a director. And you you say that to you know Liam Neeson and he knows what to do. Exactly. You can't say that to an, <laughs> a nine ten year old kid and expect expect the world. But um, this time I I'll start with uh, with Jasmine. We have a young Anakin. What are your thoughts? I think he. It's just really interesting. He seems to me very innocent in the first movie compared to, you know, to how he ends. He's so innocent. He's just so innocent, genuine. Like you can tell, you can't, I I, like when I saw him, I could not tell like this kid was going to become Darth Vader, you know, that he, all these bad things were going to happen to him and he was going to turn and, you know, he doesn't look like a kid who deserved everything that happened, all these horrible things. Um, you know, we see him meet uh, Qui-Gon 
and you know Qui-Gon treats him well and saves him frees him from slavery and all that so um I I really I actually I really enjoy the Phantom Menace I know it's not one of the favorites and it's one of the least liked but I think it's a really good one it really sets up everything um in terms of just Anakin and then Obi-Wan and how how much they both are going to change and their relationship as well yeah and also I I love the Phantom Menace I especially love the pod racing scene I know people say it's it's long no it's it's perfect um, <laughs> how there's no music until the end of the final lap and it ramps up and like it's so hype uh, i just uh, i just i just love it personally um and then i, I love how uh, element seven here in the chat says that young anakin is the most authentic version of himself mm -hmm. agreed yeah. yeah but uh how about you rick yeah so Real quick, I apologize in advance that my, my analyses of Anakin are going to be more insightful than the other two characters because those are the ones I spent the most time kind of I, brainstorming. I expect it. <laughs> so know, know that that's, I'll, that's I'll why we're here. That's why we're here. Tripping. What was that? Oh, that's why we're here. So I'm going to be tripping up on my words about the other two, or maybe I'll come up with something and, and you know and say something smart, but probably not. So I agree with the the commenter. So you know, in episode one, we see Anakin. I think it is most kind of pure and we see a lot of his admirable qualities so you know one he's really smart and really talented for his age he's you know a, a child prodigy he's really courageous and he's not afraid to put himself in dangerous situations especially when those situations mean you know helping other people whether it's you know doing the pod race you know whether it's you know flying off into the you know on a naboo speeder and in, in, into the trade federation ship um he genuinely wants to help people. Um, he's he's really courageous in the sense that he's willing to make difficult decisions, like leaving his mom. You know that that was not easy for him, and yet he was willing to do it because he felt it was his calling, and he knew that he could help people even more than he could if he would just stay a slave on Tatooine. Um, he's he's really admirable. One thing that that I really like is just he's a lot like all of us, which is that he he dreams of a better life. He he dreams that he has a deeper purpose. He's kind of like Luke in episode 4. Um the kind of the dark side to everything is that he forms these strong attachments um which is um excuse me, it's not you know, it's it's something that's really easy for us to look at in in the trilogy and say like oh no, like his attachments, but you know, it's something that you know, we as humans, you know, is, is human nature. You know, he has a strong attachment to his mom. He has, you know, a quick attachment to Padme, to Qui-Gon. Um, and so, you know, it probably wasn't the wisest decision for the Jedi to take him on and train him, you know, having had nine years of attachment to, you know, to, to his mom, essentially. But he's also the chosen one. So in the context of the story, you know, it makes sense. Um, one, one scene that I really kind of am disappointed that wasn't in the movie that I think it might be on like the DVD and Blu-ray now um, is a deleted scene where he's beating up Greedo. Um, you know, that's an, uh, one of the first examples that we see of kind of his more obvious dark side, his aggression, where he is upset that Greedo essentially, you know, said he cheated. So he starts, you know, beating him up. But um, but we see some of these early hints of what's going to come later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just interesting to see like the first phase of, of what he'll become. Yeah, and I also like how um, Harith Productions here says that, uh, you know, Kid Anakin also had a lot of hidden scars, too, mm -hmm. and we kind of see those those surface, um, but uh, Jason? I mean, there's not a whole lot more I can add. 
I, again, I, as a fandom, you know, shame on us for what happened to Jake Lloyd. He, he deserves better. Um, but the way he portrayed the character with the best direction he did, he, he really did a good job. I mean, he was super pure. He was super innocent, always wanting to help. He built his mom, he built his mom C-3PO. Um, you know, again, as Rick pointed out with, uh, and Jasmine pointed out with like the pod race, like he, he even said, I, you know, I want to do this. And, you know, Shmi was like, it's dangerous. I'm like, I get so scared every time you get in one of those things. And he's like, I, I want to help them. Then of course, the next scene, Shmi is like, he's meant to help you um, or somewhere within that region. But um, so I think as, as far as a character, um, I forget who said it. It might've been, a listener. He, it's his purest form. I mean, I think, you know what, now I'm saying, talking out, now that I'm talking out loud on a podcast, um, you know, Dave Filoni was, you know, mentored by George Lucas. And one thing Filoni does is that he will take a character that you know and love and do a complete opposite of what, how they act when they're much younger. Um, like Boba Fett is kind of a, a whiny brat in the Clone Wars cartoon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he's done that other times where I, I can't name another character where you but you look at a character and you say, well, when does the change happen? Because right now he seems like a cool dude. But um, so I think George did that with young Anakin, where he made him a pure, just helpful, super cute, over the top, adorable kid. And you're going to say to yourself, what's going to happen to this kid that he is going to turn into Darth Vader? Because we know how the story ends. And it's just hard to believe that this young, cute kid is going to turn to the dark side. Um, it, it's, it's, and, and the whole point of the whole um, Skywalker saga is the tragedy of, have you, have you heard the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker? <laughs> <laughs> that's what this whole story, that's what this whole story is. Exactly. I mean, that's what this whole story is, is that he was a pure, innocent kid who became a great, warrior in the clone wars and was a great friend and he would die well that's not the right terminology he, he would he would never turn to the dark side there's no way that guy would turn to the dark side and of course things change so uh, i i i i think jake lloyd and young anakin are, are great they're fine yeah absolutely i mean um it's in the, the new book from a certain point of view um there's I a story from Obi-Wan's perspective where he talks about how you know Anakin uh, left his mom never to see her again the person who took him died right. <laughs> shortly right. after and then he became Obi-Wan's Padawan and in in the story he says that at the beginning Obi-Wan would wake up and find Anakin on the sleep um, next to his bed on the ground because Anakin was afraid that he'd wake up and Obi-Wan wouldn't be there either. Yep, I heard that. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it's just super sad. All right, less sad note. So you slept on the low ground next to (laughs) (laughs) Obi-Wan? It's foreshadowing. (laughs) Um, All right, all right. Uh, Hot take. Wish me trying to get at at (laughs) Qui-Gon. Hot, hot, hot take. Well, we'll... I said something there, but I mean, I don't think it's. I think it's harder to put a name on it. I, I do think they had a connection, whatever that might be. You know, for me, I felt like there was not a, something with Qui Gon, but some in the scene where he calls Obi Wan and says, "Hey, check out this M count," 
she's kind of lingering behind him and it almost seems ominous. Like, is she doing, like, is she part of the overarching plan? And it's kind of like in A New Hope when Luke mentions his father and Uncle Owen gives a side glance. And at that time, George really didn't know that that Vader was going to be mm-hmm. bad. So years later, you say, oh, he totally knew. So it seems like, I wonder if Shmi had other, if he had other plans for Shmi, because did, especially during that scene when he calls Obi-Wan, she's just working about, and it, it almost seems creepy. It's like, hey, lady, I'm on a private call here. But um, I, don't, I don't think I sense, I don't think I sense anything uh, with her and Qui-Gon. Okay. Jasmine, yeah. hot take? I, I, I don't really think so. I mean, the memes are great, but um, I think she was just like, I think she just wanted to know, like, you know, you want to know more. You like, you want to talk to somebody, but you're kind of, you kind of just linger there. You're kind of just like weird and kind of, mm. you can come off creepy too. I think she was just, you know, like my child is going to leave with these people or why, why is my child working with these people? So I think it was just more of that. And if it was like, it could have been like playful flirting too. I mean, Obi-Wan kind of flirts with Ventress during Clone Wars yeah. too. So and there was true. nothing really there. So it could just be something like that. Also, I mean, you know, Shmi's just taking care of her kid, this handsome young man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. Liam Neeson. You know, yeah, you can't true. Blame her. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, you know, maybe somehow Ray gets pregnant through the Force, goes through the world between worlds, and she is Shmi. Ooh. I've heard that dumb, theory. Dumb, dumb. I have I've not heard, heard that. that theory that Ray is Shmi, and I, I, I was believing it until the, uh, Rise of Skywalker. But I have heard that they're the same person, and through the Force and the world between worlds, boom. But yeah, <laughs> I'll let that that simmer for anyone else. But um, <laughs> and she's like looking out because she knows what is going to happen, but can't let on that she knows, otherwise she'll alter the course. Um, okay, Woo. moving on. So I actually put the next bit all together because um, Attack of the Clones through the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith is a solid chunk. We get a lot of development, but it's it's not broken up <laughs> like, like that. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's jump straight into it. And um, yeah, and if each one of you wants to talk about you know all three of our characters through these these journeys that would be perfect and for this one i will start with jasmine all right (laughs) um and this also includes the clone wars movie where we first meet ahsoka ahsoka So what and the holiday what, special? If you want to throw that, I've in there, never. I, well, I haven't. I have never seen the the holiday special. The old it's, one. I've only seen the Lego holiday special. So that's totally okay. I know. <laughs> um. So yeah. I mean, let's see. We see Ahsoka in the Clone Wars movie. Um. Yeah, but what's yeah. your thought on on her? Um, like overall from through this time period, you know, because we see her as this little girl, and yeah. honestly, she was more hated than Jar Jar Binks uh, when she mm-hmm. first came out. Yes. And right. by season seven, uh, she's one of the most beloved characters. Yeah. Uh, how, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, she um, she kind of reminds me of um, Ezra. And I know a lot of people find him annoying right now. And I know that, you know, if they end up doing a Rebel sequel or he comes out in Mando or something, people are going to end up loving him. And it's going to be Ahsoka all over again, basically. Um, but 
yeah, I think, you know, we see Ahsoka and she's, you know, sniffy at the beginning. <laughs> she's, she is annoying. Um, she, but she's a little girl, you know, she's 14. She's a teenager. Um, she really wants Anakin to like her to um she really wants to impress him and everything we see that so i guess i i can see how that comes off as annoying you know um but we see her grow so much um it's absolutely amazing i think all her arcs are amazing we see um her relationship with anakin and how much that grows as well and the attachment that anakin forms with her as well that's why we get so heartbroken when she leaves the jedi order um and just her character arc and in um, the one where, where she gets accused of bombing the Jedi Temple and all of that. You know, we kind of see that's where we see the big, big change in her, I think. That's when we see her really mature. Um, even though, like, you know, I, I never understood why she could... I mean, I understood why she ran away and tried to escape and all that. But I would be like, well, I'm just going to wait until Anna can prove my innocence. Um, but I, I can see why she did that. I mean, maybe I would do it. I don't know. Um, but she, you know, she just really wants to prove her innocence. But we see her in just in those episodes, those few episodes, we see her grow a lot. And then, you know, and then she's gone. And then we see her come back as almost like another completely new person um, in season seven. She's so much more mature. She's been away from the order. She's met new people. She's seen how much the people are suffering as well because of the war. Um, and I think that brings in a new perspective for her when, when she helps with the siege of Mandalore and all that. Yeah. Do you have and, a favorite, do you have a favorite arc, uh, Ahsoka arc from the Clone Wars? That's hard. <laughs> um, I really, I do like the Mortis arc. I think it's really cool to see her, you know, see a dark Ahsoka and. Oh my God. Just, yeah, just every, that, those episodes are really cool, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially, you know, in season seven, we get to see how, through her journeys, how other people who are not part of the Order view the Jedi. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she sees how problematic it, it can be mm -hmm. i still maintain if she had just stayed in her cell they would have proved her innocence and she kept like <laughs> like if she, if she didn't open her cell she wouldn't have found lightsabers in a bunch of people like already beat they would have been like oh she couldn't have done this obviously it's not her or led her to the factory or whatever but that's that's besides the point yeah. <laughs> training that made her make bad decisions right yeah i yeah it really is you know she's she knows he would have done the exact same thing we know that and she just did what she learned from him and yeah. she she was trying to prove herself yeah and oh man and I, I can't wait till we get to mando to hear your guys' thoughts on how that must have come full circle but we'll we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> and then uh Josh, any any thoughts on um obi-wan and anakin through this i mean even with them you can also see Anakin how much he he's grown as well but also how much darker his life has gotten I think it's pretty pretty clear but also how much worse his attachments have gotten I think instead of the opposite where that's what I, the Jedi were actually trying to do teach him to not get attached it, I just feel like it got worse and worse um I do love seeing Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship grow um you know they end up being really, really close. And I think even Obi-Wan was 
um, he w- I mean, he did admit it, said he loved him like a brother. So he did obviously get attached to him as well. So just seeing all that, um, another two great characters and amazing arcs. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and that's why I wanted to put them together. Because when you watch the films, they talk about being like brothers, but you never, mm-hmm. you never see it. They don't spend very much time with each other in, in either film, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, how about you, Rick? Yeah, so um, so so one thing that I was kind of giving some thought to was, um, you know, just how the 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 attack of the clones, how you know, Clone Wars, and how Revenge of the Sith kind of help explain like the missing pieces of um, you know Anakin's transformation into into Darth Vader, um, and and all three of their relationships and how they change and everything. So you know, we established you know, Episode One was Anakin was most pure. And we start seeing some themes pop up uh, in the in the films. You know, one of them is uh, Anakin's impatience. So, you know, in Attack of the Clones, we we see there, there's a lot of moments where he's really impatient and he's really impulsive. He doesn't really give a lot of thought to what he's doing. He just does whatever he feels like. You know, in the moment, he's um, you know uh, just the, the things he says to Padme. Like you can tell, like it's just kind of like what he's feeling in that moment, rather than like thinking about like. Is this creepy? Is this, is this okay for me to say? <laughs> um, you know, obviously some of the darker moments, like killing the Tuscan Raiders. You know, clearly that was an act of pure hate and aggression and and, and and impulsivity from you know, of course, like the losing his mom and and you know, uh, but but it's still an impulsive action. Um, you know, and again, he's really impatient with where he is. You know, even though he's really accomplished, even though he's advanced for like you know a Padawan, he he's frustrated. He's not learning quickly enough. He blames Obi Wan for holding him back. Um, uh, you know, and and then we also in the films in that film we start seeing um, other things like the the continued issues with the attachment, his attachment to Padme. Um, you know, the fact that he hasn't seen her in ten years. You know, he's the attachment has just gotten worse. Um, and then we see kind of the, the the other side of that attachment, which you know him losing his mom, which you know obviously would be a traumatic experience for for anyone, um, you know. But in theory, you know, Jedi shouldn't, you know, a, a good a perfect Jedi w- wouldn't necessarily be affected by that because they wouldn't have met their parents anyway. Um, and even if they did have a connection with someone, they would be able to sort of let them go, um, you know, just like. Uh, that Clone Wars episode where I think Luminara, where, where Barris and Ahsoka are trapped under the rubble, mm-hmm. and Luminara's fine; she's calm. Anakin's freaking out, and she and she's yeah. and he's basically like, "Why aren't you worried?" And she's like, "Well, I've accepted that when it's my Padawan's time to go, it's her time to go. You know, I can't do anything to to change that." Um, Anakin's completely the opposite way. You know, he's thinking, you know, like, "I need to stop this. I can't let this, you know, let this happen." Um, we see in Clone Wars, we see a different Anakin, very different from Anakin from what we see in the films. Um, you know, and it, it, it goes well. It also kind of feels a little bit uh, jarring at times because, you know, uh, he, we see him at his best. We see him doing what he does best, which is, you know, he's fighting, he's saving lives. Um, and this is a time when, when everyone trusts him, you know, the Obi-Wan and here finally equals or not, you know, teacher and student anymore. Um, the council trust him to do what he needs to do during the war. And then he has this new role that kind of brings out the best in him, which is the role of a teacher. Um, 
you know, and, and that for the most part goes well, you know, like it's, it's, you know, they have a really productive teacher student relationship. The problem is, is what Yoda essentially calls uh, like literally the very first time that Anakin and Soka meet, which is, you know, he basically says, I think Anakin will be a good teacher. I think he's going to have a really hard time letting go. And that's exactly what happens. He's not able to accept when, when Ahsoka, you know, finally leaves. Um, and then we get to Revenge of the Sith. Um, so, things get, you know, take a turn, a downturn because, you know, whereas everyone trusted him in the Clone Wars, suddenly they're, they're the, you know, the Council, Obi-Wan, they seem to not trust him again. You know, they seem to not reward him for his actions. The, the one time they actually kind of give him a carrot, it's only as a tool to get, to, to accomplish what they want, which is to spy on Palpatine. Um, and then, um, you know, there, there's the continued, I mean, there's a culmination of the issue with his attachments. You know, he's had so much loss He's lost Qui-Gon, he's lost Shmi, he's lost Ahsoka, and at this point he's willing to do whatever it takes to prevent that from happening again. Um, and, you know, he has, again, an attachment not only to them, but an attachment to Palpatine, so he trusts whatever Palpatine says. Palpatine is, to me, I think he is as influential a mentor as Obi-Wan is. And the difference there is that Palpatine is an outsider and Anakin kind of trusts him in a different way. You know, he knows that he doesn't have that sort of Jedi bias um and and you know when palpatine tells him you know there's a way to to save padme then he he believes him and and you know honestly there is because you know force healing and the rise of skywalker um but uh <laughs> you know but uh you know he again we also see his impatience we see you know that he's progressed really far he's now on par or even you know more um experience than other jedi but he's still not able to do the one thing that he wants to do, which is the ability to save the people he cares about. Um, you know, because I think his thinking is, you know, I have all these powers, I have all these abilities, you know, I'm literally, you know, one of the, some among the stronger beings in, in the galaxy, but I'm not able to do something as simple as saving the life of someone I care about. Um, and that that's a completely valid, you know, kind of feeling. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, essentially what leads to, to, to more frustration, the frustration that, again, he's just not good enough, that he's made it this far and he's still not good enough. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, he, he's at this point willing to do whatever it takes to, to, to get to that point where he, he can save, you know, the people that he loves. Um, and ultimately, it's all those things. It's his, you know, attachments, his, his, it's his impulsivity, his impatience. Um, you know, and just the kind of the trauma of everything that he's been through that that kind of, you know, pushes him toward to the dark side. Yeah, I, I like how you mentioned uh, <clears throat> Luminara because I mean, I, th I certainly think there's a middle ground because uh, she was too willing to let yeah. go. She's just <laughs> oh like, <laughs> easy come, easy go. Oh, it's like bye. <laughs> they're missing. All right, let's go. And you're like, wait, don't you want to like give it an hour or something? <laughs> Um, and then also, I think at the uh, the Roth and uh, Tracer arc, um, Roth and it, it was it was Tracer, right? <laughs> Trace and Rafa. Trace and yeah. Trace and Rafa. Rafa and Trace. Got, oh, gotcha. yeah, 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 yeah. Martez. Martez. That's right. That's Clone Wars. Yes. I forgot about mm -hmm. that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they just to me they look like not Tracer and not Sombra from uh, Overwatch, and so I have. <laughs> A hard time separating that in my head, but um, from the way that they told their story, it was 
Luminara, who, who, you know, steered whatever truck it was out of, you know, space truck, <laughs> um, out of hitting a bunch of people and into the wall and killing their parents and then popped right. up and said, uh, well, uh, there were, may the force be with you. I gotta go. Prayers. <laughs> and you're like, come on. You know? So, yeah, there's there's a continuum. I think there's room to play in between those two. <laughs> but but that's just me. No, I mean that's that's absolutely true. I mean, Star Wars, you know, a common theme is is balance. The fact that there's these two opposing sides, and you know, ultimately everyone kind of comes to their own conclusion about what the right way to do things is but yeah i mean ultimately kind of the balance is is seems to be the key to everything that you know the jedi are expected to be these kind of um perfect human beings and to have no flaws because they have such a huge responsibility and they ask them to do really unrealistic things like having no attachments and then you've got the opposite end where having too much attachment and having being too human can be dangerous for someone in that position but yeah i mean it's it's a good question to ask maybe there's a, an in-between that's honestly where i thought maybe the sequel trilogy was going with the idea of kind of having a balance between the light and the dark they didn't go that way but that would have been an interesting you know uh, idea to explore yeah definitely and then um and then, uh, how, how about you jason um so uh, as far as the tech, the, uh, as far as the Clone War era, um, I could talk, I could do an entire podcast on Obi-Wan. Uh, in fact, I have. We, we but, do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I got to tell you, I, I love Ahsoka. I think she's one of the greatest characters uh, introduced into Star Wars. And it's kind of funny when, she, you know, she comes in in Clone Wars. It's almost similar to... Oh, the way Anakin came into Obi-Wan's life. Mm -hmm. Like she was rejected immediately where she comes out and is like, I'm the new Padawan learner. I'm a Sokotano. And, and Obi-Wan's like, oh, I'm not your new master. It's Anakin. He's like, what? No, 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 no. There's a huge mistake here. I am not taking uh, a, a Padawan. That is just no to slow me down. And it's, it really is interesting to see. And this is probably intentional, but it's interesting to see how much she's grown, you know, with Sky Guy and, one of my favorite episodes is when she fights Grievous and she calls him grumpy, which is a little childish, but I, I, I do like that episode a lot. Um, he is grumpy in her defense. He is grumpy. <laughs> uh, you you got to give her that. Um, there's so many episodes that um, you could talk about. The You know, so to research for this, I tried to find um, as many arcs as I can with the three of them, which aren't terribly that many. Um, but there's the Citadel episode, um, which it, we we actually the three of us actually did a TikTok on that one. I must have carbon sickness because I could swear that's Ahsoka. Ahsoka's hearing, but I, I love how she disobeyed him. And not only did she disobey him, Dad said no, so I'm going to go to Mom, who's Plo Koon, and 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 ask if I could attend this mission. And apparently, I said yes. Um, but she came in so handy in that mission. She. Um, she went in through the vent um, to get him into the, the base. She learned uh, the secrets that Master Peel was carrying in his head. Uh, and she ended up, spoiler alert, she ended up killing, I forget his name, but the, the ultimate bad guy. Like the ultimate bad guy was about to kill Tarkin. And Ahsoka impales him with a lightsaber. And Tarkin looks at Anakin and says, you trained her well. And so <laughs> it was, she's come along so much. But my favorite story arc, 
besides the last story arc of Clone Wars, is um, Ahsoka on the run. Uh, it, it is so good. And I, I, I don't think that um, Ashley Eckstein and Matt Lanter, the scene when they're in the sewage pipe um, and, um, you know, Anakin confronts her is, by the way, that mirrors a, uh, can't believe I'm saying it's an old movie because it's not that old, but that mirrors an old movie called The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shot almost, you know, it, it's, it's the poetry thing, right? I so love Harrison that movie. Ford, absolutely. <laughs> so Harrison Ford turns to Tommy Lee Jones and says, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones says, I don't care. And what's great about the Clone Wars scene is Anakin did care. And the acting that the both voice actors did, but also the animators, you could see the pain on Anakin's face when she's like, You didn't come and get me. And he's like, How would that look, huh? How would that look if I broke into the prison and freed you? That wouldn't go over well. It, it was just so good. And then she's like, wish me luck. And he doesn't stop her. He, he's like, all right. And, she even, and I think that's when the relationship changed from Padawan and, and master to brother, sister type of thing and friends because she even says, wish me luck. And she jumps and he doesn't. And she calls him Anakin in that scene. She doesn't, I think that's the first, oh, one of the few times that she's called him Anakin uh, was in that scene. Um, it, it also mirrors the Empire Strikes Back with Luke and Vader. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, continuing with that, that arc, there is a, um, at the end of it, when she leaves the Jedi Order, they're both backlit on like a sunset, like they're mm-hmm. silhouetted on a sunset. And they're talking about, I think they were talking about trust. And in the Clone Wars movie, when they're on Tatooine, they're both silhouetted by a sunset and discussing the plan. And they're talking about trust. And he's like, I trust you. You're my Padawan and I'm going to trust you here. Um, But then what's equally heartbreaking is when Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order, she goes down the front steps. She goes out the main entrance in the front steps of the Jedi Temple, which we've only seen one other time. And that's when Anakin marches up those front steps with the 501st behind him. It's just kind of, again, the whole Star Wars poetry and it's how beautiful. things... It, it really is. Yeah. Um, so as far as, you know, Obi and Anakin, um, you know, it, it, obviously they don't mention Ahsoka in Revenge of the Sith because, mm-hmm. well, she didn't exist at that point. But also I think Obi-Wan knows how painful it is that she left his life. I don't, they don't really say what the time difference is how much time has passed when Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order and then when season seven starts. But I'm going to assume... You can tell by Anakin's hair. Yeah, Anakin's hair and I think Ahsoka's mantrals. Is that what they're called? Mantrals? Um, I call them... Uh, I forget what they're called. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's mantrals and mantrals. the part yeah, that okay. hangs is Leku. Yeah. Um, but, but the striping I, I uh, think, changes as I they think, age. I think that the, um, the Ahsoka on the run story arc also strained Obi-Wan and Ahsoka's friendship um, because Obi-Wan never verbally spoke out about, well, that can't be, you know, Anakin, let's go investigate this together. It was just only, um, it was just only Anakin. So when she's reunited in season seven, you know, Obi-Wan really doesn't say that much. He's like, um, it's just all business. He's like, you know, Bo Katan is like, every minute we waste, Maul could slip away. And he's like, we understand. Let's go over here. And, you know, Anakin's like, hey, uh, what have you been up to? I haven't heard from you in a while. So it, 
I just, I thought the three of them have so many uh, great stories and I love the friendship between the three of them. There's a ton of artwork with the, the three of them in Disneyland, exchanging Christmas presents. I, I love the three of them. I think the Mortis arc, which I'm not gonna go into because that is for scholars and for, <laughs> that, that is so deep and I, I don't even know what's going on, but. We're gonna discuss that when you leave. <laughs> but what's interesting about that is, um, I love the fight between Ahsoka and we TikTok this as well. We did. Uh, <laughs> between Ahsoka, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. Like, I love how the beginning, Anakin's like, what the hell is going on? He's not really into it. He's like dodging. And then he loses his lightsaber and he closes his eyes and you can tell it's like, all right, it's go time. And he, he pulls the lightsaber towards him. And then Obi-Wan appears and he's like, any suggestions? And that's when they use the dagger of Mortis. Um, and then Ahsoka died. Again, this is for scholars and, and smarter people than I am. But I, again, I love their friendship. And, and in that episode, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka do have a lot of, um, you know, Ahsoka comes up from the ship trying to fix it. And she's like, well, you want the bad news or the really bad news? Well, how about the bad news with a little bit of optimism? And it, it's such a great story arc that I can't, I can only talk at the high level. But as far as Revenge of the Sith, you know, they don't mention Ahsoka because Anakin it doesn't do well with loss. And this is probably all designed by Palpatine. He probably maybe went to Master Yoda and said, you know, let's give Anakin a Padawan so he could, I, I don't even know how that even came up in conversation. But I think that, um, it, again, the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker is that Obi-Wan also had attachment. He, he loved Anakin. And he's probably feeling some pain too that Ahsoka's gone. Um, but it is really sad to see how Anakin falls to the dark side and how he, he's lost. And I'm looking forward to the Kenobi series because I'm wondering, A, if Ahsoka will be in it, and B, um, will, when, does, when does Obi-Wan find out that, oh my God, Anakin is not only not dead, but that's Anakin. Um, that's gonna be uh, interesting. And then the last thing I wanna say, going back to Ahsoka, is um, again, season seven, the Order 66 scene is just insane. Like. I was so stressed and I knew it was going to happen. And Dave Filoni did it with the music and just how he, he framed everything. I remember when they get on the ship with Maul and they're wheeling him off. All you see here is like a little tense music, not nothing great, but just a little tense music. And you see all the clones holding rifles. And based upon video transmissions we've seen, we know where we are in the timeline. I'm like, this is going to happen any second. And I just love... I could watch that scene. I've watched that scene over and over again. And I just love when she, she's one of the few Jedi who sensed Order 66. I think it was her, Maul, Yoda, and um, I think there was someone else. No other Jedi. Even in the games, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was Cal. Uh, no, I think Cal's. Uh, Cal's master. Um, yeah. Whose uh, name I, I is uh, escaping me, but he's a, a Lassad Jedi. But um, like, I just love how when they say execute order 66, how she is just blocking the bolts because she knew it was coming, you know, versus any of the other Jedi. And she cuts the top and she escapes and then uses the <laughs> droids and frees Rex. Um, I am just babbling, but I, well, I just she, love- She that? has a scene, right? Where she's just like staring out and like 
the Order 66 scene from Revenge of the Sith is playing. Yeah, she's, like, we hear their voices and she's kind of like mm-hmm. going like what like what is happening. She turns and that's when yeah, it all starts. And she also has that that deep conversation with Rex that about mm-hmm. how she's only known war and the clones have only known war. And she said, well, if there's a positive about this war, I couldn't have asked for a better friend. Right. I think that conversation also, because it is really fresh, is one of the things that stopped Rex from acting immediately. Like he is like, I've just been ordered to kill my friend. And he's like, he, he can't get any message out to her other than find fives, which we all know is he's dead. Um, yes. And it's uh, so good. It, Sorry, it, I'm just bowing, but yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> you're, you're, you're fine. But um, for, for Ahsoka, I'm not certain if she so much sensed Order 66, but her connection with Anakin yeah. let her know. And sure. she heard that whole... Yeah, you know, even though at that point she was just a, a citizen, um, she, right. <laughs> she oh, could, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> she, she could sense what what was going on over there, and but I also, think, but you know, to your point, I think the relationship she had with Obi Wan has been broken. Obviously, the relationship she had with the Council has been broken, and if it wasn't like that, she could have said, "Hey, you need to pull Anakin back because Maul just told me he's the key of this downfall," and. She, you know, she didn't feel like saying anything. She's like, I, I'm a citizen. I got nothing to gain here. So anyway, sorry. Go. Yeah. I mean, she clearly wanted, uh, it sounds like she wanted to talk to Anakin about that personally. Yeah. That's, that's what, it, what I got. But yeah, and you guys are absolutely right. It makes me think of the, the Matthew Stover novelization of Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. um, Anakin's relationship with Palpatine, because like a good like the first third of that book is the mission to rescue palpatine right right and then there's a part after the dooku fight where honestly anakin is having a blast he's like i'm here with my two buddies like this is the best (laughs) and you know it, it was that relationship that was was so poisonous because you know ultimately obi-wan wasn't the right person to train him Obi-Wan wasn't ready at that time and because he had that um obligation you know he was an older brother versus Palpatine being a father if if Qui-Gon were still alive he would have been that father figure and would have been the right person to um to, to really really take care of things um also I I'm forced to shout out Volcano Cats if, if you're still in the, in the chat. Um, long story. Uh, <laughs> I don't like volcanoes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think uh, Anakin has a, a hate-hate relationship with volcanoes and, and sand, yeah. um, obviously. Totally. Uh, Which is funny because the planet Navarro is all, is all lava and sand. But like my name, my last name is Navarro, so that's a weird, just kind of <laughs> weird. Irony is pretty ironic sometimes. Yes, <laughs> ironic. Um, but so one thing we haven't quite touched on is that that last that last fight, the last time Obi Wan and Anakin saw sure. each other, because um, that is is pretty impactful and it and it hurts and also. Props to Hayden Christensen's acting, like the "I hate you" at the end. Like I feel, I feel that in my soul. Right. You know what I mean? Like I agree. Um, you know, and this is because this is ultimately the end of Anakin's journey as 
Anakin until the very end of episode six. Uh, but yeah, before we move on to the next area of time in Rebels, uh, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. And this one started with Jasmine, I believe. So I'll start with uh, with you, Rick. Uh, yeah, I mean, like one thing that I just wanted to say about what we're talking about the Mustafar fight, right? Yeah. Okay. So the um, so even more so and than Obi Wan with a Superman pose at the top of the. I just right. love that. Like, let her go, Anakin. <laughs> let her. Go. <laughs> you turned her against me. Are we doing the whole thing? Um, <laughs> um, so uh, one thing that I will say is that, you know, it's now that we have like the complete story that we have, like the prequels that we have Clone Wars as well, like the tragedy of, of seeing that fight is even more so, you know, is even more impactful than it was before. You know, I've shown you know, the, all the movies and shows to like my parents and to other people. And, you know, when it gets to that fight after having seen like, you know, that relationship evolve over, you know, three movies and, and, and seven seasons of a show is just really, is it, just really, you know, sad and really tragic. Um, I don't have any other ideas about it yet. I'll probably think of more once uh, Jason and uh, Jasmine talk more about it. Yeah. And uh, Jason? Okay. Um, <laughs> so it, it's heartbreaking, right? So first off, Obi-Wan knows about Padme and Anakin, right? So he goes to her apartment saying, when was the last time you saw him? And says, oh, he's killed younglings. And so he, I even made a TikTok about this. He knows that after telling all this, he's going to follow her because she's going to lead him straight to Anakin, that he sneaks on board, goes to the, uh, hides in the closet, comes out, see her choke Padme and let her go. And again, you have this brother-brother relationship that Obi-Wan feels incredibly betrayed. He's raised Anakin, and he even turned a blind eye to him and Padme. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking to see. But what's also unique about that scene is that he trained Anakin. So the lightsaber fight, although I feel it goes on just a smidge too long, I feel... The part where I feel it goes a smidge too long is when they're on ropes swinging. I'm like, <laughs> I, I feel like, okay, we get the point. <laughs> but um, but it's at a it's at a huge stalemate. I mean, nothing is 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 changing. And you know, when Anakin jumps on the little footy thing he's on, you know, they both can't use the force because they learned that lesson about ten minutes ago that they'll backfire and fall into the lava. So it took the high ground, um, and. I, again, I tell the story all the time. I've said it on your podcast. I've said it before. But um, Rick and I were at a con, and Rick and I were breaking the Star Wars lines all the time. And I was in civilian. I was in civilian because I wasn't even dressed as Obi Wan. I, I already changed out, and he was in Anakin. And I forget how we broke into that scene, but we broke into. I think I stood in a chair and I said, "It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground." And Rick said. You underestimate my power. And then he came toward me and I pretend to slice him and he's writhing in pain on the, um, we were at a library. And so on, on, on at a library, the, <laughs> we were, it was a library Comic-Con. And so he was writhing on a floor in pain on, on the library. Again, the con's over, so everyone's leaving, but we did generate a small crowd. And of course I said, you know, you are my brother, Anakin. Uh, you were the chosen one. It was said, you were trying to not join him. We're doing this scene and I get must, I'm not an actor, but I must have gotten so into character that when Rick said, I hate you, 
I'm feeling it right now. I, I, um, <laughs> I welled up. Like I, I, I didn't have a tear, but I just welled up. And you know, then I said, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. And I just met Rick 10 minutes ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know, I, I don't think we knew each other that, that. We didn't know each other that well. That was probably like our third or fourth uh, con. Um, right. It was obviously definitely before celebration, but um, just, Anakin, you know, as a kid growing up in the 70s, you heard the rumors that Obi-Wan threw Anakin in a pit of lava. And that's why, uh, I'm sorry, Darth Vader. We didn't know him as Anakin. Well, no, we did. Um, actually, in the 70s, we didn't. But we heard that's how he was thrown in a pit of lava. And that's why he wears the suit. Um, so as a kid, you always wondered, what was that like? And, 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 and now we see it. Um, and then you also see the pain in A New Hope when Obi-Wan just honestly just reflects on the good times. He's like, he was a cunning warrior and a good friend. And again, at that point, Obi-Wan has overcome so much that he, he's not really thinking of the bad times. Yeah, definitely. Wait, and do then, they not say the name Anakin in A New Hope? Not in A New Hope. They, I think they say, oh, they, in a re they, they say release. it, but he's, but at that time, Anakin is not the same person as Vader. Right. They didn't say a new hope, uh, Anakin in A New Hope, do they? I don't think they do. In, in Empire, in a re-release, they say it, saying like Anakin right. Skywalker's son, and that was a, yes. that wasn't in the original. But I think it's not until Jedi. Until Jedi. That yeah, I didn't things. realize that. That's crazy. Yeah. Again, I don't. It, it, with New Hope, George didn't. Lucas didn't know that it, it would be. He he thought it would, it would flop so bad. He went on vacation when it, it went hit movie theaters. He's like, I'm not even gonna stick in town. Uh, <laughs> so he really didn't know where it would go. Yeah. Um. And uh, and, and Jasmine. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love that scene. Um, I loved it even before Clone Wars. Like Hayden Christensen, like you said, was amazing in that scene, uh, and Obi Wan too. But I think after watching the Clone Wars, you definitely get a new take on that scene, and I think it hurts ten times even more just knowing, you know, seeing their relationships, seeing how good Anakin was, and also seeing everything he went through. I'm um, watching Revenge of the Sith after Clone Wars. Just it's, it's a it's a great thing to do, but it's also very painful. <laughs> um, but I think um, Jason was saying earlier just that uh, you see how Obi Wan is disappointed in Anakin, but I think you also see how much Obi Wan blames himself for what's happening. Um, just you know, like I you know, like I should maybe I should have said something. I should have told them earlier that I knew about them. I should have done things differently. You know, we see his regret as to. Too. that way you know that's why he's like you were my brother like we know they had that brother relationship and you know he he, he knows that he could have done things differently that maybe maybe would have helped maybe wouldn't have we don't know you know but it's it's an awesome scene i love that i love when these two recreated as well <laughs> but there's like there's that moment when obi-wan realizes that that anakin is lost yeah um, and it's just like oh, man you know, <laughs> uh, it's it's just it's it's beautiful. I I love it so much. Um, I do have to say though that entire fight, and it's also because th they were. I I love it so much because um, at least in terms of the physicality, because you know, Anakin is the better duelist. Um, yes, and Obi Wan is. It's great at defense, but Obi-Wan has the experience and he knows I have a win condition. Anakin's trying to overpower him, right? Because Anakin doesn't, 
he's always been so powerful. He doesn't have to think. He just he'll just whatever you know. I can wing it because I'm, I'm powerful enough that it doesn't matter. Obi Wan's defending this entire time, waiting for his specific win condition. That's why I, I love the last bit, you know, because Obi Wan's backing up this entire fight until Anakin jumps onto the little skiff with him, and then there is no place any of them can go. But Obi Wan saw his win condition, and he goaded Anakin, um, Anakin's ego, into trying something that wasn't going to work for him, which I think is hilarious because Obi Wan killed Maul from the low ground. He killed mm-hmm. Grievous from the low ground. Uh, he, he goaded Anakin to jump over him and, you know, he will do what he must. Yeah, he didn't He didn't beat Anakin by, by dueling him. He beat him by recognizing his one weaknesses, which, which was his overconfidence, his arrogance, and kind of using that against him when that was the only thing that was left. He knew Anakin would do would make a poor decision because Anakin makes poor decisions to prove the fact that he was more powerful and he could do something and you know that ultimately was was Anakin's downfall which I is think funny, it was which is I I'm sorry go I think it was also a little bit of his desperation not just his overconfidence and wanting to prove that he was powerful it's just also his desperation in the whole situation which makes him not think I mean when we're all like super desperate and you know, he's nervous about Padme and I'm sure in the back of his mind, he's also thinking about, you know, like I just choked my pregnant wife. <laughs> just not, not thinking at all. And, you know, obviously she's he was lying like, on the ground up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was just going to make, obviously he was going to make a mistake and Obi-Wan, you know, was, knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, oh, let's, uh, Oh. <laughs> I was just I was just to say about Rick saying is arrogance and um, uh, it's funny because Palpatine always says that the Jedi lost because uh, were arrogant and he told Luke that his overconfidence is his weakness. Oh no, that was faith and friends. Never mind. Okay, your guys. Are yeah, good. Luke said your overconfidence <laughs> is your right. weakness. Yeah, um, faith in your friends is yours. But yeah, let's jump to the next part and the timeline. Right, so. Um, we're going to jump to Rebels, where now we have uh, Ahsoka, and she's back in. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, you know what? Actually, one quick thing before we move on. My favorite story of anyone watching the prequels comes from Victoria Vader. Um, she makes all the incredible Vader content on, oh, on yeah. TikTok. But her experience was having watched and absolutely loved um, uh, A New Hope. And she she's only watching the original trilogies, even though the the prequels are coming out. But she's still young at this time. And before Revenge of the Sith came out, well, then her parents thought, okay, let's watch all of them. So they got her, took her through the, um, you know, through the first movies. But she had no idea that Anakin was Vader. <laughs> so she had a, a different relationship with Vader than she did with Anakin. And so I, I think she. I think she had to leave the theater during her first viewing of *Revenge of the Sith* because that's a. It's a bit overwhelming, but um, her her story that is just the best. But, anyways, jumping to *Rebels*, we have um, and of course I'm watching this live, right? I don't think we're ever going to see Ahsoka again because she left *Clone Wars*, and right. years had gone by. She pops up at the end of season, uh, in the season one. one. Um, it just blew blew my mind. 
watching live sucks. I, I gotta say, because especially at the end of season two, I thought we'd never see her again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't wait, but right. um, she definitely has an interesting arc, and she's she's a different character because of what she's gone through um, at this point. So yeah, let's let's talk about uh, Ahsoka and um, her fight with Vader. Uh, we'll start with we'll go to, to Jason first. Yay. Um. So, you know, it's funny, I was trying to think, because we were going to talk about Rebels, I was trying to think how I felt when she first came down the ladder, and I really don't remember uh, being shocked or, or, oh my God, it's Ahsoka, I, but I'm sure I must have. Um, it was great that she was Fulcrum. Um, I love, 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 I cry every time with a reunion between her and Rex mm-hmm. when um, she sees him. God, I'm crying again where uh, she said, uh, he goes, you got old. And she's like, had to happen sometime, Rex. <laughs> like, I just love their friendship. Um, but one of my favorite Rebels story arcs, and this could be a live action movie and it would be a blockbuster, is The Seizure with Thal. I love that movie. And I think people will disagree with me. You've got the chat going, let's see if they disagree with me. I think that The Apprentice Lives is up there with Luke, I'm your father. It, is so you're you know it's it's gonna happen like you see Kanan mm-hmm. and Ahsoka probing his mind the mute you have the Kevin Kiner score going you have Ezra saying hey I think I know who the pilot is which it didn't occur, occur to me watching it the first time that they didn't know it was Vader they they thought it was just some ace um mm-hmm. and they said I think I know who the pilot is the you know the anger the fear the hate I think it's the Sith Lord that uh, we just met. And he just goes, the apprentice lives. And she screams and passes out. And then when at the, at the epilogue of that uh, story arc, they're like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm fine. You know, like she is not revealing. Like she's very much not fine at that she's moment. She's not fine. She's <laughs> like, I'm fine. And she's like, I have a question about uh, the Sith Lord you met. And Kanan's like, we met two Inquisitors too. And she's like, don't care about them. <laughs> what about the Sith Lord? Um, but then one of my other favorite Ahsoka moments is uh, her against the Inquisitors. I love, love it. when she, the door opens, you mm-hmm. can see you, by the silhouette, Absolutely. you know who it is. Yeah. She's like, Ezra, get the, young, get the youngling on board. And uh, he, I think she even gives him a little wink. And she owns them. You know, first of all, the Inquisitors are like um, unexpected, but not unwelcome. And they have this fight where like she turns off the um, seventh sister's lightsaber and takes it and throws it. It's like, you were beaten. And um, I, I think that is one of my favorite duels. And then of course, uh, Malachor, which is again, heartbreaking. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's what's more heartbreaking about Ahsoka and Vader than Obi-Wan is when she slices his mask and she realizes it's him and she's like, Anakin, you know, I won't leave you, not this time. And he just looks at her and he is gone. Like he has pure hate, never coming back. His eyes are yellow and he's like, then you will die. And he's going to kill her. Um, so I, I think that fight is just amazing. I, I'm No Jedi is also like a top line um, in Star Wars mythology. But um, the Malachor fight is just... What I like about the Malachor fight, and then I'll pass the baton. What I like about the Malachor fight is um, when they meet, Vader says it was foretold 
that our long-awaited reunion would happen. What I love about that is that things are happening that we don't even see, right? You know, at some point, the emperor calls Vader to his chambers. It's like, you will go to Malachor and you will meet your apprentice. She will come to me. Yes. And it's, there's things going on that we never even saw. And I love that about Star Wars and especially this Rebels arc that, that Palpatine, I assume was Palpatine, because Vader didn't say, I foresaw this happening. He said, it was foreseen that you would be here. So Palpatine said, you're huh. going to be there. Go meet her, get her, and maybe she could lead us to Kenobi. Well, uh, you say that, but it also connects me to um, the end, because that scene is a part of um, the end of the 2017 Vader run, which takes place. Oh, okay before a new hope like okay. he vader goes into like this force nexus and he's he's seeing a bunch of visions and stuff but um during these visions there are other panels like that are in fire that are like the things that happened so I, I don't know it's it's interesting i'll have to i need to to kind of look into that but um but yeah, yeah uh, how about for, yeah yeah uh, how about you jasmine um your thoughts on it? I mean, I, I absolutely love Rebels and I, I love Ahsoka in Rebels. Um, that's my favorite version of her, I guess we, we could say. Um, she's just, you've seen just how much she's grown, how, even though she says she's not a Jedi, how much of a Jedi, like a true Jedi she is. She's much more wise. She, you know, she's trying to help people. Um, by being fulcrum and all those things and uh, the Malachor fight is just you know it's amazing um, um, it does remind me of the Obi-Wan and Anakin fight on Mustafar it's just it is a little bit different because their relationship was I think much more deep than Obi-Wan's because Obi-Wan really did try to not form that attachment and I think Ahsoka really did she you know like she she absolutely loved him um it was her brother. I mean, we even hear her say that to um, yeah. Tracy and Rafa, right? Like my brother trained me. Um, so you, you know, it, it hurts her when she realizes that that's Anakin, her, her brother, her former master and all that. Um, just that whole scene is epic. Um, and, you know, she puts up a great fight against him. You know, he trained her. So you, you can see that. Um, I, I, I love, I know, I, I know it's probably, overrated to some people but i am no jedi will forever be like <laughs> so epic um and just the way she says it i think the way that ashley performed that entire scene was amazing i also love what they did with vader when uh, what is it when he, i think he says like certain things and they put voices over so they have matt's voice yeah. and then they have the original voice just all of that so that you can you just knowing that makes you feel more more pain over Anakin's fall and turning into Vader. I absolutely love that. Yeah, when she slices the mask, they have James Earl Jones over yes. Matt mm -hmm. Lanter saying Ahsoka. And then when he says it a second time, it's just pure Matt Lanter. And right. I, I do, re like I said, I don't remember how I felt watching when she first appeared in the show, but I do remember how I felt here. And I don't swear all that much, but I believe I dropped an F-bomb. I, <laughs> I think it was just like, oh my God. Like, oh my, like that, that office, the office meme where it's like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh man. In um, a I so I I know everyone loves um Vader's entrance in Rogue One, but um to be honest, my favorite Vader entrance is that episode where he's standing on top of the Tie Fighter, just slowly going yeah. down, and you're like, oh no. Oh, he uses, he uses the force to put on the flood. He uses the force to put on the floodlights, uh, the headlights, the high beams on the Tie Fighter. Yeah, which shows just how extra Anakin is. You know, he's always a lot extra. of planning just to make an entrance. That's the only thing that didn't change. Uh, absolutely. There's this other um, uh, in in the um, Lords of the Sith book. Uh, Vader takes down this this ship. And basically, these the rebels they um, they're just going to destroy the ship because they know that they, they can't that they can't escape, and they've destroyed all the places where you can dock, right? So um, Vader basically hops out of his Tie Fighter mid-flight, flies to, <laughs> lets it go, so it makes an opening, goes into that opening, uses that to storm the ship, takes down one of the guards, picks up his comm, and just breathes into it. <laughs> into an open channel and you're like yeah that's Anakin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, also you know you were talking about the fight with um, Ahsoka and the Inquisitors my favorite part of that fight is actually the lines from Kanan and Ezra where Kanan's like <laughs> hey man we need to go help her and Ezra's like uh no I think, <laughs> I think she's got this what about uh, ahsoka she can handle herself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well but what are your thoughts on it rick oh on rebels so rebels I think so, just, yeah yeah so so i think that the fact that she was full crumb shows that just you know how important she is as a character so like you know the whole idea of like having like this mystery character that ultimately pays off at the end they, that, that's reserved for characters that are really, really important and that you're going to get a lot of emotional satisfaction from realizing it's them. You know, they did the same thing with Agent Callus, but that shows you just how beloved Ahsoka was with the fans by the time that Clone Wars ended, and especially with the fact that Clone Wars kind of ended prematurely. So I love the fact that she that she's fulcrum. Um, I love the kind of the gap that Rebels um, has, like in, in the, 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 the part that she played, which is kind of explaining like what she was doing during that time. So like, you know, not no disrespect against Obi-Wan or Yoda, but they didn't really do anything during the, you know, the, the, the beginning of like the Empire. They kind of, you know, were in exile, at least not, not things that we knew. Yoda kind of communicated with some of the Jedi, obviously, and Obi-Wan will find out, he, you know, there are probably other things that he was doing maybe behind the scenes. But Ahsoka really was, you know, an active player in the early days of the of the rebellion. And I think that kind of speaks to who she is, you know, the fact that she just can't go into exile i mean she, she's gone into exile in a sense but she's never stopped you know trying to do the right thing um and that reminds me of something that we've touched on and i think dave filoni recently talked about which is yes ahsoka isn't a jedi anymore by name but by actions she's kind of like one of the truest jedis that there are you know she is more jedi-like than some other people who who do have the title of jedi um, and, and I think that's part of the reason people love her because they admire her and, you know, everyone wants to be like her, um, you know, at least, or at least, you know, adopt certain characteristics of her into our lives. Absolutely. I could, I could honestly say having an eight-year-old daughter, she adores Ahsoka so much that she wants to come to celebration with me and dress up as Ahsoka. She 
when she was much younger, when she was six, I used to say like, what does Princess Leia say? And she's like, you're my only hope. You know, what does Jin say? I rebel. And then I would say, what does Ahsoka say? She goes, I know Jedi. <laughs> so I, 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 I could do a whole podcast on Ahsoka. I, I love her. I, I already don't have done one. And like, but as I have been on TikTok, I've met a bunch of new people and like, mm-hmm. I want these new perspectives. So some of them I'm going to have to do again, but I don't <laughs> have any problem with that. Uh, once I get to the end, I'll just, I'll just start over. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so now we, we got, uh, we got rebels down. Um, let's talk about Obi-Wan in two situations, right? A, we have um, a new hope. Right. As we're still going with the timeline, uh, New Hope. I also want to touch on his small part in Rebels, too, against Maul. Um, and then him becoming a, a Force ghost. And uh, I started with Jason last time. So, Jasmine, we're going to start. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Jason would answer this a lot better, probably. Um, he, oh, he's yeah. batting cleanup, so no worries. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like in the New Hope, you see him, you know, just the aftermath of everything he went through. We see him suffering as well from what happened with Anakin and just having to go into exile, but also trying to protect Luke. Um, and I, I guess that goes into with um, with Rebels. And I feel like we with Rebels, to me, that was kind of his final arc, even, be, even though it wasn't until or killed him and he became a force ghost but um that fight with maul and then finally killing maul was like that was i think to me you know they've had such a history um and i think i saw i saw a a video the other day a tiktok about how intertwined their lives were how they were almost like a dyad kind of like ray and ben and in a way just you know like everything that happened they always kept meeting each other always kept like everything in their lives just um caused them to to me and me until finally obi-wan was able to to kill him um so i really like seeing that in in rebels for obi-wan by the way do you think when they named the episode twin sons like someone was like wait a second they're like (laughs) interesting i never considered that i didn't think about that yeah (laughs) well i I just i just wonder if that was planned out in the past or if someone was like someone had this weird epiphany like right before the episode they're like oh my god they're almost like brothers they Mm -hmm. can say they're twin sons and tatooine with two sons and like someone's mind exploded that would be amazing if they did (laughs) from what little i know about dave filoni i wouldn't put it past them (laughs) (laughs) uh and how about you rick are we talking about uh rebels are we talking about original trilogy oh uh both and yeah sorry jasmine if you had anything to to uh, on yeah go for it rick yeah Yeah, so i just yeah i mean at this point in the story obi-wan has a huge responsibility so he's literally carrying the weight of the fate of the galaxy on his shoulders because you know he really believes that the jedi were wrong about anakin being the chosen one and that they missed it by a generation because when maul asks them you know is he the chosen one obi-wan says yes which we know at least according to george is not true that that anakin was always the chosen one um but but he really believes it at this point so you know it's it's just you know it's really interesting for me to, uh, to see 
someone who's been like so broken and had so much loss again, losing Qui-Gon, losing Satine, losing Anakin, losing, you know, Ahsoka, losing all of his friends basically. And now, you know, he's by himself and he has this huge responsibility of, of training the chosen one to essentially, you know, defeat, to, to bring Vader back to the light side and somehow defeat, you know, the empire, which, you know, I don't know about his tactics about, you know, just kind of letting the family raise him and then just kind of hiding up in the mountains. I don't know how effective that is, but it all worked out. So maybe he knew what he was doing. Um, well, he did want to train him a lot more and he was not, uh, you know, Uncle Owen was not having it. Mm-hmm. And, and and one thing that I always thought was weird, I think that one of the stories in a certain point of view that that book kind of explores it, which is the idea that, you know, why why was he so adamant about training Luke and, and not Leia? Because Leia, I mean, from a very early age, showed a lot more qualities that would have made her, in my opinion, a, a really good Jedi. Um, you know, obviously Leia played a huge part and ultimately did become a Jedi. But in my head, I would have trained both of them. But that's just me. That's why I'm, you know. I love that story because, like, you know, <laughs> Obi-Wan appears and is like, oh, you know, uh, the Skywalker is, is coming soon. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to train her. He's like, <laughs> no, not not that one. And he's like, the other one. Why? He's so brash and immature. He's just like, my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's just, just like Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's ultimately that's ultimately all I had to say about it. But I just you know I think it's it's really you know the interesting the, the point at which he is and and I really want to see this Kenobi show. I'm really curious to see where they're going to go with it and what story they're going to tell because I'm I, I've always wanted to know more about that time in Tatooine. That Twin Suns episode was amazing to watch and I and I want to see more like that whole area era just fascinates me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, even though it's not canon, but the John Jackson Miller uh, Obi Wan novel is great if you haven't read it, and hopefully we get some of those elements of like, yeah, Obi Wan has is dealing with this PTSD and he's dealing with this loss yeah. and he's, but more than that, he's always been this hero. Um, yeah, he's he's always had this role. And he's having to live with, learn how to not have it, how to not do that. Um, and he even meets people who need saving and he can save them. But if he saves them, he brings notoriety to himself and ultimately ruins his his goal. So how, how is he going to deal with that? Hopefully we get some of that. But uh, Jason, your thoughts? Um, so I like, or, you know, uh, so I like, um, I like Twin Sons because it's a Kenobi story. I love uh, the duel, a lot of people say it was too short. Uh, Rick just, uh, I think Rick stepped away, but um, being in the Star Wars costume clubs uh, and being where we live, we often used to, before the pandemic, got invited to Lucasfilm and they would show us, um, we would sit in the theater and they would show us, you know, Dave Filoni would, well, they would come out and they say, all right, you're here to see Twin Suns, the Twin Suns arc, and they would show two or three episodes and then Filoni would come out and take a Q&A. So very blessed, I get it, I totally, I, I am blessed. But um, <laughs> so obviously the first question was, why was the fight so short? And you could YouTube this, but he said, you know, at this point, Kenobi has done nothing but just meditate, you know, watch over Luke and meditate. So he knew how to fight Maul. And you see that because Maul comes in exactly like he did with Qui-Gon. He tries to do the butt, the butt him in the face with the, the twin 
between uh, boys. Rick, did you go to um, did you go to Lucasfilm when they showed uh, the Twin Sons episode? No, I wasn't there for that you one. Went, I never saw a Rebel screening, only Clone Wars yeah, season seven and Resistance. Got it. Um, so and, so it, it makes sense that that fight would be extremely short. But then what I love about that scene is just how gentle, gentle Ben, how uh, gentle Obi-Wan is with Maul. And he, he, he cradles him like he cradled Qui-Gon in his arms. And, and like he did Satine. And like he did Satine. And, and again, this is a person that Obi-Wan witnessed. Like he was there when they happened, killed his master and killed his, his gal pal. Um, so it's a cradle it and just say, oh, you know, he's the chosen one. And then I, I, I assume he buried him someplace. And I'm sure wherever he buried him, that's just filled with the dark side of the force. We'll probably cross that bridge in the Obi-Wan show. He's in the uh, sand. Just he's in the sand or in a <laughs> cave. He's probably in a cave that's filled with the dark side. Don't go in there. Um, you know, I always like to think that um, not, not that... Not that Maul wanted to die, but Maul needed that end. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And and that's why Obi-Wan, instead of, you know, because I, I fully believe that, because Obi-Wan had continued to grow. He had continued to mm-hmm. learn. He had continued to meditate in the Force. Um, and Maul just stagnated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like how it's been put that he is um, Sisyphus pushing the same boulder up the same hill. Yeah for it to roll down for eternity. Mm-hmm. And rather than rather than try to let uh, him have a chance to, to change, I think Obi-Wan fully understood, this guy is also in pain and he needs- It's time to end it. Yeah, he, he needs to, to let go. I, I agree. Uh, going back to Twin Sons, the only th- other thing they'll say about it, and it's a little negative, is that um, I need to rewatch this area of Rebels. It just seemed like it um, it didn't really go with the story arc of where Rebels was going. And so it just seemed like a detour. And I never knew it why they took so. this detour. Yeah, I don't know why they took this detour. Not only was it a detour, but never once did, did Ben Kenobi say, oh, Ezra, when you go back, don't tell anyone I was here, right? So when he goes back to, I think there's still a chopper base, and they say, where were you? Yeah, he like, doesn't not say anything. Once did he say, hey, I, I did meet Kenobi. He is alive, <laughs> right? It, it never came up in conversation. So um, I always thought it was a bit of a, a detour. As far as Ghost Ben, um, and I talked about this the last time I was on your podcast, um, I have no real feelings about Ghost Ben. He's a ghost and he's Ghost Ben. The only thing, and I said this on your podcast, the only thing I'll say is that at the end of Jedi, when they all appeared, at what point did Ben look over at Anakin and say, Wait, I could have come back as Hugh McGregor. Like, <laughs> wasn't it even? I didn't know we could do that. Um, it just seemed—it's uh, just kind of funny. But um, as far as Ghost Ben goes, uh, I don't have uh, any real opinions on him. It's just, um, just Ghost Ben. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, a very spirited individual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, whew. yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> well, well, well done. Um, all right, so moving moving forward, we get to uh, kind of the, the last thing we we're going to talk about is we had Ahsoka come back uh, in, in The Mandalorian. Now, we've only seen her for one episode, but I do want to put two bugs in your guys' uh, ears as we are, uh, as we're talking about this. Because, A, I mean, she does not say, I, I'm no Jedi, 
right? And right. She, she talks the way that she talks about Grogu is, is different than we, we would have expected. Also, on her costume, uh, on her hip, hangs the beads that look just yeah. just like her, her Padawan beads. Uh, do these have any significance? And then for this one, going to Rick first. Yeah, um, first of all, like seeing Ahsoka again and seeing her in live action was just like, you know, amazing. Like this whole season has been amazing because every episode has just been like a huge, you know, just you know cameos and and just you know really fulfilling moments for fans whether it's seeing Boba Fett whether it's uh, seeing his armor whether it's uh seeing uh Bo-Katan and now Ahsoka um just you know everything ties together I'm a big fan of like shared universes like the MCU and 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 the X-Men and the DC universe and all that so seeing Star Wars kind of come together which I mean everything's always been connected but seeing these different shows that were seemingly telling their own story, Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, seeing them all tied together has been really amazing. Um, And specifically seeing Ahsoka because she was, you know, she's become one of the most important characters in the whole saga and extremely, you know, influential of everything that happens. And so um, it's just been, it it was really cool to see her. You know, I know that some people had issues with like her appearance with the length of like the Leku or the Montrals or whatever they're called. Um, you know, I think my take on that is like Star Wars has a lot of inconsistencies, like a lot of continuity issues. I think that's one of, to me, like the least important ones. There's, there's bigger ones that, you know, that, that have create more continuity issues. And, and that one, you know, I understand why they did it. They did it, you know, specifically for the practicality of it. You know, she can't, uh, it would be much harder for the actress to do all those fight scenes with Long Leku. Yes, yes, we saw Shakti and, you know, in, in Revenge of the Sith and I think Attack of the Clones, but she didn't do quite as much fighting as Rosario Dawson did in just even this one episode. Um, and it's just really great seeing her just kind of add more lore to the universe. At this point, I think really I would... I would kind of consider her like the the wise old mentor, even though she's not that old, but, you know, kind of the role that Obi-Wan played in the original trilogy, you know, where she's the one filling in all the gaps and telling us, you know, the story, the role that maybe you could say even Yoda played in, in, in the prequels and a lot of the, you know, in a lot of the stories, you know, she's the one that's, you know, has all this information about, you know, Grogu's back backstory and kind of, you know, gives advice to characters as to, you know, should he be trained? Should he not be trained? I mean, she is kind of the Jedi Council at this point. Once again, not officially a Jedi, but more Jedi-like than, than other people. I mean, in some ways more, you know, she has more Jedi cred than Luke does because Luke, you know, is a farm boy who trained for, you know, a few days with, with Yoda and, and maybe a couple of days with Obi-Wan. You know, to me, that's not uh, you know, he doesn't have a ton of like, you know, information. I think he like learns a lot of information later, like reading books and records and stuff. But ultimately, Ahsoka, I think, is is the real Jedi master in the in the galaxy at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy to see her, and I'm really curious where this is going to go. I, I, you know, the rumor is she's going to get her own show, and um, you know, and, and follow that kind of search for Ezra and Thrawn and all that. So I'm, I'm really really excited about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, I mean, I, I I did a post about it, but like, if you when you saw how different Clone Wars Count Dooku looks, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he, he's like 
90% beard. (laughs) Like no, no human looks like this. So yeah, any difference was, was very minor. And, um, but I also think that uh, there's a fair amount of people that didn't watch Rebels who are watching The Mandalorian. Yeah. And so their last view of Ahsoka, maybe from Clone Wars, maybe from the Clone Wars movie in 2008 or whenever, you know, because um, even when you watch her in Rebels, for instance, people say, oh, she didn't use the reverse grip that much. She doesn't use it in Rebels all that much. Um and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of lot of things like that, but I I personally loved it. Uh, Jason, and you're right. You everything in the cartoons is kind of stylized. You know, it's not really how they look. It's you're looking at them through a certain like lens or something. Like even Anakin's scar in the cartoons, his scar it looks like it's a squiggly line, whereas in in the films, it's a straight line, pretty much. So little things like that, you know, are, are also continuity errors, but they're, in my opinion, they're not a big deal. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, first of all, in in the Clone Wars animated show. Everyone was a lot skinnier and taller. You know what I mean? Right. Like, actually, it was funny because I, I, people had trouble with the animation style of Rebels. But when the Clone Wars came out, I had a lot of trouble with that animation style. I had more um, trouble with that than I did Rebels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Same here. Rebels they looked like they like real people. You yeah. know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just just translation. But yeah, Jason. Um, so as far as the physical thing, I. The fandom just sometimes gets, they just always need to pick and nitpick at things. And that was this episode. Last episode was, I forget, this past episode was um, Boba Fett's weight, you know, Grogu eating eggs. But anyway, loved seeing her. Um, loved, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised they threw her in the first second. Like, I thought maybe they'd beat up, like, lead up to it or something. But, like, the lightsaber is nice. And I'm like, oh, and I think, again... Uh, this was a show, this was Thanksgiving, was this Thanksgiving? Yes, it was. I, yeah, so I watched it um, live. I usually watch it in the morning, but I watched it at midnight, and it's by myself this time, but I believe I dropped an F-bomb saying, oh, Brig, here we go. Um, it was so good. Um, I just had this thought while Rick was talking that um, I said earlier how her and Obi-Wan's relationship got strained because he didn't speak up when she was accused of murder. Um, she seemed very Obi-Wan-ish in this. Just very calm, mindful of her thoughts. Um, and I think over time, she probably forgave Obi-Wan and, 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 and realized that anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. So just the way Obi-Wan forgave, not forgave Maul, but just gave him peace. I think at some point she, whether she meets him in the Obi-Wan show or... She met the Force Ghost. I think she made peace with Obi Wan. So I loved how mindful she was. I love, but I also loved how playful she was. And again, that's a Kenobi type of thing, where the Mandalorian is like, "Hey, kid, get the rock," and she's like, "Grogu," and it, <laughs> she was just, uh, she was just uh, great. It was great uh, seeing her live. Again, uh, I've said this about this whole entire season. Love seeing all these old characters. Where are we going with it? Is it just a, a launching pad for their own show? Is it like, tell me something, what we're doing with these characters. So <laughs> I don't know what we're doing with Ahsoka, but um, God, I really do want to see more of her. And then of course, and I'm, this wasn't in your outline, but then of course her appearance in The Rise of Skywalker, which is just a ghost voice, which means eventually at some point in her time, she needs to die. 
Not necessarily. That's true. Dave well, Filoni like, keeps refusing to say that. Yeah, he one. does. <laughs> and in the novelization for The Rise of Skywalker, there's something about written about how Rey senses these voices. And there's a specific line that says she sensed that some of them, that most of them were dead, but not all of them. Something okay. I'm paraphrasing. Um, I'll just say one more thing. Um, it's just like a little backstory with me. So again, once in a while, we'd get invited to Lucasfilm and see screenings. And it, one time we saw, I think it was, might've been like I, maybe the start of season, the last season. So we saw the, the first few episodes and at the end to take a Q and A, I raised my hand. He didn't call me, but he kept on getting tired of people asking if Ahsoka was still alive. And so what I was going to say, if I got called, which I didn't, I was going to say, Hey, I'm not going to ask you if Ahsoka's still alive. I just want to know, have you seen Ashley Eckstein lately? And how is she? <laughs> <laughs> is she still on the payroll? Like what? Has she been around? But yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I, I love it. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Jasmine. Yeah, I mean, I was super excited, obviously, <laughs> um, to see her. I definitely did not think we were going to see her in the first minute. So I was definitely caught off guard. Um, but it was absolutely amazing and everything I wanted her to be. Um, I do kind of want to talk about what Jason was saying that she like forgave um, Obi-Wan. I do feel like in this episode of The Mandalorian, I feel like she forgave a lot of people, a lot of things in her life. And that's why she's so calm. I also believe that that's why she wasn't like, I'm not a Jedi Mando. Like I'm not going to train him because I'm not a Jedi was because I think she, I feel like she at this point has forgiven the order for everything that happened. She's also forgiven herself and just come to terms with everything. Like, okay. Like, yeah, I left the order, but I'm still technically like a Jedi, like, you know, um, I feel like that's why she she just seems so at peace in this episode um, and just so put together, so wise, so calm. Um, and that's why I felt she was so willing to help um, Din and Grogu and just finding out everything about Din, uh, Grogu. And I think her connection with Grogu, you know, like he was in... Um, he was being trained and, you know, he was saved in Order 66 and she, you know, had that connection with him because she, you know, she lived through that as well. And also meeting, you know, another Jedi, another Force sensitive person. Um, so I, I absolutely loved her. I also think like her outfit kind of gave off, gave off that vibe of like, I'm more, um, it's very different from all her other outfits, I think. Um, we see it seems more like to me more wise more not as it's fighter as yeah it's yeah. not even like she's always like you know like in the season seven where she tells rex you know like we were trained to be keepers of the peace but all she's been is a soldier and all her outfits even in rebels i always felt it was very soldier like you know very tight and um um you know all the pieces and everything and this one was much more just more relaxed um it felt more peaceful even even her outfit felt more peaceful so I just felt like it was we saw her as a person that has forgiven everything that's happened in her life and even the way she talks about Anakin and all of that um you know like yeah she's sad when she's like I've seen what attachments have done to fully train Jedi Knights and all that but she's 
I feel like she's come at peace with what happened and just by carrying, you know, her Padawan beads or what people think are her Padawan beads, all that. I, I, I absolutely, I've seen this episode like a thousand times already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so wh- wh- where did, where did she get the beads and, and why does she carry them now? Maybe she went back to the temple. Maybe I she read had them. Anakin did give them back to her in season seven. Maybe Somewhere they were like under the, I don't the, know. <laughs> in, in the lightsaber case. Yeah, maybe it was yeah, in maybe. the lightsaber case under the padding. <laughs> um, I think what it, it means is um, just always remember where you came from. Um, like, yeah, just remember your start and although that journey led you to this point. Yeah, is, like remember all the good things and the bad things too. Yeah. Like that, it made her who she is. And right. I, I just I, accepted I that. I yeah. wouldn't be who I am without mm-hmm. where I started from. I mean, I, I my interpretation, um, obviously this isn't anything canon or anything. I do make sure I, I tell that. <laughs> the way I uh, interpreted when I saw it, because, you know, I was kind of expecting the I'm no Jedi line to happen at some point and, and a few other things. And the way she talked about Grogu and if she could train him sounded like the jedi yeah mm-hmm. um and so i i feel like her having um anakin as as her as her master um she a lot of his frustrations with the jedi holding him back or not allowing him to have these attachments um those frustrations bled down into her and ultimately were the catalyst for her leaving and she felt that all and and how you know the jedi weren't perfect as she she found you know with the whole um uh rafa and trace um episode how they could be problematic but i don't know i think in the years after that i think she realized um a this galaxy is better with them (laughs) than it is without them that's why she has been devoted to helping and b when she found out for sure that that was Anakin in that armor. I think she realized, oh, they may have had a point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they might have, I think they might have been onto something. So while she probably doesn't call herself a Jedi, I think she, her views on the Jedi are probably night and day from the last time that she spoke about him. And I think that renewing respect is why she carries the beads with her uh, because it's, significant at that time but that's that's just me real quick i had two questions here from the chat one of them is um uh where did it go (laughs) sorry i I can't recall who said it but um you know when the episode started started out with her just you know murking people left and right uh so the, the question was whether or not that is um in line with with ahsoka um, and second question from uh, Isaac Church was, uh, you know, did it seem weird that she just attacked Mando immediately? Like she didn't even ask him why he was there or, or anything like that. Curious your thoughts on those two things. Um, who goes first? You go first. Who talks first? You talk first. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, last one I started with uh, Rick. So Jason. Oh, hey. Um, all right. So as far as uh, the ki- so basically killing people, I guess is what mm-hmm. like that's not the Jedi way. 
Uh, well, she's no Jedi. I think, um, you know, she, like I said, she, in the Clone Wars episode, she killed that uh, lizard guy uh, in the Citadel episode. So she has killed before. Um, one of the things I didn't like about this episode was that we just started in the middle of it. So the villagers, like, who are they? What are they doing? It's just maybe a bad village. Like, do we care about these people dying? Uh, but obviously she was protecting them. So in some ways she was protecting the villagers and also she's also looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn for a bigger purpose that we do not know just yet. Um, I personally, if I, could have, if I could have been Dave Filoni, I would have started this episode um, almost in a flashbacky kind of way where it started off where she threw the shoulder, the, the pauldron, and said, your hunter failed. Um, and then I would have, then when the, it said the Mandalorian, the Jedi, then I would have mm-hmm. filled it, backfilled it. Because when she threw the pauldron and said, your, your hunter failed, I'm like, yeah, dude, we know it. You guys just basically hugged like two minutes ago. So I'm not shocked here. But if, if it had opened, we're throwing the pauldron instead of your Jedi failed, I'd be like, holy crap, she killed it. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as uh, why she attacked in right away, I mean, she knows what a bounty hunter looks like, and she probably has a bounty on her, or she also knows that, you know, she's attacking this poor village, and uh, um, the leader of the magistrate um, could have sent someone to kill her, so she knows she's kind of hunted, so she went on full attack, well, full defense mode, (laughs) immediately to protect herself, Um, but it didn't last, I mean, once she said the the catchphrase, which was Bo-Katan sent me, um, you know, he backed down. She backed down immediately. So yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jasmine, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I. I mean, yeah, I've <laughs> seen some people talk about how they were surprised that she was just killing, you know, magistrate soldiers left and right, kind of just full on attacking them. I, I didn't find it that surprising. We have seen her do that before. She p- typically doesn't do that. Like I know a lot of people brought up, like, oh, she didn't do that to the clones, but the clones were her friends and she you know specifically states that that she was not going to hurt them um but we have seen her in a a bunch of other episodes you know just like Anakin like just I'm gonna get them all um and you know and she 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 does have her goal which I think that's why she did it you know like she needed to get to the magistrate and tell her like you need to leave or you need to let your people go whatever um and then in terms of Din, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that she just straight up attacked him. Like Jason said, you know, she knows that the magistrate's going to be sending people into the woods to to find her and immediately kill her. So she probably thought he was going to kill her if he saw her before she attacked him. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was just defense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, Rick? I think so. One of the interesting things about Star Wars and really about any story is is that you know it's interesting to see thing, people do things out of character because then you you have an opportunity to explain why they're doing them out of character. If you look at Episode One, Anakin, and then you look at Vader, you know again, there's no way you could possibly imagine that that they're the same person because yeah, I mean everything that Vader does is not in character with Anakin. One thing that I know will be controversial, but you know Episode Eight, Luke is nothing like. You know, episode six, Luke, they're, they're very different people. Um, but the interesting thing is, how did Luke get to that point? You know, obviously, you know, he's completely disillusioned and just has lost everything. And that's why he's 
you know, um, you know, on Octo and, and gave up on everything. So, so the, my thing with Ahsoka is like, yeah, maybe that's not in character for her, but it's interesting because now there's an opportunity, opportunity to explain why. Now, I don't know if she killed anyone in Rebels. I can't remember. I don't think she did. But now there's like maybe like an opportunity for a comic or a book that takes place between Rebels and uh, Mando that explains why that's, you know, that change in, in, uh, in her uh, just perspective on the world where, you know what, like maybe it is okay to kill sometimes for the greater good. Yeah. And then for me, where, where I come down on it, like uh, uh, it's... You know, obviously, obviously, these people are going to change, but we can see their trajectory beforehand. And as long as you can chart that, it works. Yeah, like you mentioned, Luke, in, in episode eight, I find it shocking how many people see the problems with the Jedi organization in the prequels. And I hear people joke and say, like, oh, the Jedi got what they deserved or whatever. Luke restarts the Jedi, runs into the exact same problem decides yeah the jedi need to end and people are like what what mm -hmm. like the same people like you can't i mean it's the same i don't know um and I, I also made a video warning people today because if we see ezra he was 17 the last time we saw him he's going to be 29 the next time right he's not going to be the same person he's he's going to have right. change between 17 and 29 uh, at least I hope, unless he has some sort of condition. But <laughs> <laughs> also, his hair might not be blue. <laughs> I mean, we, we we don't know. But um, but seeing ah Ahsoka, like Ahsoka, didn't kill the clones because um, she knew them. Like these particular clones volunteered to right. go with her on this crazy mission. And they loved her enough that they painted their helmets to represent her. Like Royal these weren't just means, random. Means everything to them. Yeah, these weren't just random people. For one, um, the second one, on two different occasions, she has jumped into a group of Mandalorians and taken all of their heads. <laughs> yeah. So she did that once with Death Watch with, with Lux Monteri, jumped yep. in the middle, four heads. Um, yeah. And she did that again in the Siege of Mandalore um, uh, episode. And so my, my thing is, you know, when she walks up and talks to the magistrate, um, she makes it clear, like you can tell by context that this isn't the first time that they've spoken, right. you know, maybe there was warnings, uh, but they sent people out to kill her and she ended that. And then if, uh, if you just threatened this powerful magistrate and then a Mandalorian bounty hunter is walking around the following day. I feel like the assumption is okay. <laughs> and also she didn't try to take his head off, which she could have done. Um, so maybe she was giving him a slight chance, you know? I don't know. Real quick, since you guys brought up the magistrate, apparently the hair and makeup person for the magistrate revealed that she was from Dathomir and maybe she was a night sister or something. I, that's not canon. It's just... I've but heard it might that have been that she might have been uh, a, a survivor of Dathomir. Right. Oh my goodness, that is cool because mm -hmm. there was a recent book that came out. It was uh, stories from the Clone Wars. It was mostly arcs that we've seen before, but it was told by a different person's perspective. But the last one 
is by a survivor of Dathomir, and it's something that was never on the Clone Wars. So it's interesting because the two might, they could possibly be connected. connected. Um, I just think it's fascinating. Okay, so we've covered our our characters and and going through. Uh, So now, you know, as we're we're coming towards the end, um, I got to ask, if you could green light any project for your character, what, what would you do? Um, start with Jason. So I got it. I'm going with uh, Jasmine. Uh, oh, man, that's hard. I, I mean, I would definitely love to see more Ahsoka, although like I'll always have that fear of like, if we do too much, are we going to ruin her character? Um, but I, I mean, I would definitely love to see her in a show, have her a show. I, I do think Star Wars is better on TV than movies. There's just so much more mm-hmm. you can do. So I would definitely prefer a show than a movie for her. I would love to see like the time between Rebels and uh, the Mandalorian and after the Mandalorian all the way up to Rise of Skywalker. Like what is she doing that whole time? Why did Rey hear her voice? Was she still alive? Was she not? Like what happened during all that time? Just everything that she did. I would love to see that. That'd, that'd be cool. So would this be like a Ahsoka and, and Sabine like travel show. Or? That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I mean, the two of my favorite characters. So I would definitely love to see um, them working together to find Ezra and and Thrawn. So that would be awesome. Uh, and uh, are you going to cosplay Sabine at some point? It's just sorry, random question. Maybe. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> All right, and uh, Rick. Yeah. Um, so one idea that I have is the fact that you know clone wars is is over but the reality of it is that there are there were a lot of clone wars arcs that that never happened um they you know were supposed to be i think in probably season seven and then you know it got canceled and then you know season seven ended up being a little bit different than what was originally planned and i think that they were planning for more seasons on top of that so there's stuff that was just never made that i would really like to see but specifically with anakin you know, even though the show is over, I see no reason why they can't make more stories that kind of fit in somewhere in that, you know, two, three year gap. I mean, I, I, cartoons do that all the time, right? Like the, the show runs for a while, but then they do like little mini movies that either are on TV or came out on DVD or something uh, that are part of the show, but they're, but they're something extra. So like, you know, to me, like, it's like, let's, we can make more Clone Wars. Like, we, we, you know, it doesn't have to be like an ongoing season or a show or, or anything, but it can be like little adventures here and there with Anakin and Ahsoka and, and Obi-Wan. Um, I mean, that maybe that'll happen someday. I don't know that it'll happen anytime soon because we just had season seven and they're focusing on other things. I think what's more realistic is, that I would really like is just flashbacks. You know, I think there's an opportunity for flashbacks in The Mandalorian or the, you know, if Ahsoka gets her own show to maybe Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, and I also think there's definitely opportunities for flashbacks in the Kenobi show. I think it would be really weird if the Kenobi show happened and, and uh, Obi-Wan never once had a flashback of Anakin and, and for Hayden Christensen to be to be in there. I think that that's, I think it's very likely to happen I, and I hope it, that it does. Yeah. Uh, are you excited for for Bad Batch? I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the Bad Batch arc itself, but the fact that we know that this arc is taking place immediately after Order 66, because we've seen nothing of this I'm time ex- period. 
I'm excited for anything Star Wars. I'm one of those people that enjoys everything. Like, sure, I have my favorites, but I think if it's Star Wars, I'll like it. You know, I love the Ewok movies. I love the holiday special. <laughs> I even enjoyed Resistance. Like, it's all good. Um, and so, like, Bad Batch, yeah, not, like, my top favorite characters, but there's a reason why they're doing it, and I'm re really curious to see what stories they're going to tell because, you know, it's going to be more than just about the Bad Batch. If every episode was just about those five, six guys, probably wouldn't be the most interesting in the thing in the world to me, but they're definitely going to incorporate other characters. And I look forward to seeing maybe one new characters and two, maybe returning characters from like rebels or rogue one or something. I, I don't know who else would be in that time period. Okay. I'm going to call out crazy prediction. Okay. You guys ready for it? Uh, I mean, I've, I've actually said this, this quite a bit because I want Quinlan Voss to be the Jedi that answers the call. Because um, we do know he did he did survive Order sixty six. He has such an interesting story. Um, you know he was a, quite an unorthodox Jedi. Um, his use of psychometry, mastery of it, is a really interesting ability. Yeah. But he's just kind of a he's he's uh, non conventional. <laughs> he's uh, just kind of weird and dirty and, <laughs> and, and stuff. Um, but he also has experienced the dark side too. You know, he completely, mm -hmm. he fell in love with Ventress, completely fell to the dark side. Um, you know, she, she actually died saving his life. Um, and he returned to the light. I think he would be a really interesting character in the Mandalorian to not have Grogu go be with him, but for him to join their crew as this old, you know, Jedi who's been on the run for all this time. And I want him to, I want them to find him in the Bad Batch and him be part of their crew. Like if, oh. if they end it with him being the person, hi, my name, uh, you can call me Quinlan or whatever. That's how the Mandalorian ends. And then the very next show we get is the Bad Batch and he's in it. Oh my goodness. I think it would be, <laughs> that would be that's really what cool. I'm calling. It's a wild prediction because there's literally <laughs> nothing at all that uh, to substantiate it, but you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> uh, your thoughts, Liba? Um, if, uh, if you could uh, have if a, I could green light something. Uh, well, it's green lit. Um, so it's the uh, Kenobi show. It's funny. I, they, they said they had scripts and then they, they had a, they had a back burner Kenobi show because I think the scripts were the Mandalorian. Like I think Ben would travel town to town, have a problem and solve it. Um, so I think they had to take a look at it from another point of view. Um, I, I, I love the friendship between Anakin and, and Obi-Wan and the jokes that they had with each other. And you saw it sometimes in Revenge of the Sith. Um, you know, like uh, I sense Count Dooku, I sense a trap. Next move, spring the trap. Um, <laughs> and then say, and, and in Clone Wars, the cartoon as well. We're smarter than this. We're smarter than this. <laughs> <laughs> but in Clone Wars as well, you know, with Matt Lanter and uh, James Donald Taylor, you know, in the Mortis arc where he's like, you thought the planet was weird. How about this one? Um, I just love the humor they had. And we're never going to get that. So uh, whether, as Rick said, uh, 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 so maybe some sort of anthology show that just shows more within the Clone Wars or um, flashbacks. But they're not going to touch upon that, that brother humor uh, that I, I, me, they're not going to say, well, Jason likes it. We have, must add it. Um, I think um, <laughs> we're not going to get that. But um, I am looking forward to the Kenobi show. I do hope we see 
Cody and Cody redeems himself. Uh, I do want to see uh, Dexter Jester um, at some point. I'm looking forward to seeing Obi-Wan discover Anakin's Vader. I heard in some book or something you would know is um, he went to Shmi's grave and apologizing mm-hmm. uh, to losing Anakin. That would definitely be in there for sure. Um, just arguing with uh, Uncle Owen. Um, but I, I would love to see more of that brotherly humor that Obi and Anakin had. Like, I feel like we didn't get enough of, of them and I want to see more. Absolutely. Whew. Um, I want more and I know I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right. So um, for, for me, my, my pitch is going to be this time I'm, I'm doing a different pitch because I, I do, I get to do these pitches a lot. Um, a, I want Claudia Gray to be the screenwriter for this first and foremost. Um, if you, I don't know if you've read Master and Apprentice, but it's okay. it's great stuff. Um, but I need her to write the screenplay for whatever the adventure was, where Obi Wan met Satine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it'd be like you know Qui Gon and Obi Wan on this adventure. They probably get separated, or they have to protect the royalty. And you know, Qui Gon is protecting these people, and Obi Wan has to go find and protect Satine. Everything goes backwards, horribly wrong, but that's what makes their connection. You know, and uh, how Claudia Gray writes, I think, would be amazing. Um, I think I would prefer to see it animated, but it, it depends. Um, either that or like a do something wacky, like a oh, <laughs> like a just a straight comedy show <laughs> of <laughs> that just exists somewhere, you know, on on uh, on Narshada of like people just trying to live their life, but there's all these like gangsters and Jedi randomly show up and wreck all this stuff, and you're just like, oh my god, you know, I like. Think- you're the guy that sweeps up the bar and like people right. are get killed and you, you have to drag them out all the time. And you're like, oh, come on, man. I pitched that show. Uh, I wasn't a guest, but I typed it in the chat uh, called The Last Day of Alderaan. And each episode was following different people on Alderaan. And the last and the episode ended the same exact way, which is like, what's that bright light? It could be a comedy. It could be a couple. It could be a bank robbery gone wrong. It could be just a, a rom-com, just tons of stuff. But it always ended with, uh, "Hey, what's that bright light?" <laughs> oh man, now nah, it just it makes me made me sad the first time. It makes me sad now because you know, <laughs> in, in the in the book Leia Bloodline, like on Alderaan, they have a song that's called "Mirror Bright" and it's singing about a moon. But Alderaan has no moons. But it's it's a famous song that they all learn as children, and so it's Leia. As an adult, you know, in her late 40s, thinking about all these kids who must have looked up and saw this moon for the very first time, thought of this song, and, you know, you know, sorry, guys. (laughs) Anyways, um, (laughs) I would like to, uh, yeah, let's, so let's go ahead and, and end it with letting us all know you know, where we can find you and, and your stuff. Um, if you have any closing thoughts and what you, you know, might want to see going forward. Uh, I'll start with Rick. 
Yeah, so you can find me both on Instagram and on TikTok at Rick Nerdvaro. So that's R-I-C-K-N-E-R-D-V-A-R-R-O. As far as my closing thoughts, just, you know, Star Wars has been a really positive, you know, kind of force, no pun intended for me in, in my life, you know, from when I was a kid to now, like, it's the way that I've met a lot of great friends, like, you know, Jason and Jasmine, and just been involved in a lot of really cool things. And it's just crazy, like, you know, you know, I've, I've had, I've had Star Wars longer than I've known some friends in my life. And it's just, you know, it's just really cool how much this simple, you know, space movie could create so much, you know, for, for the world and for, for all of us, you know, it's definitely the, 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 the kind of my happy place when I'm feeling down. It's what I used to bond with people. It's, it's how my family and I connect, like my family and I, um, we're currently watching uh, uh, Rebels, and it's you know we we it's the thing we look forward to every day when we're watching dinner, and that's something that I'm always going to remember. Um, so it creates memories, and it creates relationships, and it creates a lot of happy moments. So for that, I'll I'll always be grateful to George Lucas. I'll be grateful to the community. Um, yeah, it's basically it. Yeah, I awesome. Um, I love it. And uh, Jason. Um, so I can be found on TikTok uh, as Lebo Juan Kenobi, all one word, L-E-B-O-W-A-N, Kenobi. Uh, and on Instagram, same thing, but a underscore between Lebo Juan and Kenobi. Um, again, thank you so much for having me um, on. I, I really enjoy your yeah. podcast. I, I listen to it every Wednesday as I drive home um, from work. Um, if you ever need a guest, I could talk about Star Wars for hours. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, feel free to knock on my door. And I've said it before, you're, you're just always such a huge positive voice in the fandom. And we need more people like you because I just don't understand why the fandom is, is the way it is. Um, Rick said it, you know, again, back in my day, we got three movies and that was it. Um, we are getting so much content in Star Wars right now. And it is a great time to live. So... Everyone, and I, I've said this on, uh, not as a guest, but on your chat, that you, know, star, uh, you can find your Star Wars within all this content, and your Star Wars might not be my Star Wars. And people need to really let go of, of <laughs> what they don't- You're still holding on. You're still holding on. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, they really need to let go of what they don't like. You don't like it, then fine, but you don't need to bash people about it. And again, we live in such a great time with so much Star Wars content. So. Uh, again, thanks for having me. Looking forward to all the future Star Wars content and talking it. And again, uh, Jazzy, it was really nice meeting you. It's so funny. We have, the, we, we have a chat on Instagram and uh, we, you know, we coordinate TikToks or whatever, but this is the first time that we actually spoke. And uh, I just love our little uh, trio that we have. Like we're already talking about things in celebration. Um, and it, it's it's... And again, Rick and I have uh, done creative things over. I'll be in celebration these, as well. So, uh, dude, we are totally going to hang out. Are, are you guys um, going to dress up every day? Because whatever day you guys are dressing up, I, I'm shaving my head. I'm coming as Mace Windu. I oh yes yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell um, you to take a seat. I'm going <laughs> to call you a citizen. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm cool with you, Lebo. So. Yeah, we'll just say. <laughs> but is he not the chosen one? I hope you don't <laughs> like your hand all that much. <laughs> Um, but yes, all, all of us will be in um, in celebration, and also all of us are in uh, California. Yay! Um, so uh, 
yeah, looking forward to more stuff with you three and with you, Brandon. And yes, thank you. Fun. Yeah, and so one of the things I really appreciate, you know, you guys is and your and your um, content and, and your energy because again, it's 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 positive. You know what I mean? Right, right now, uh, and I love how you and McGregor said it when he in an interview about coming back for the Obi-Wan show, he said, um, you know, the, the prequels weren't much liked by my generation, but the generation it was made for loved it. And I can, you know, they, they really enjoy this. And so I'm super, super happy to come back. And I, I just wish people would understand like, Hey, we got a new star Wars trilogy for the next generation of kids to grow up with and love right now. We have the we have the Mandalorian, which is stylized just like the original trilogy for those fans. We had season seven of the Clone Wars, and we're gonna have the Bad Batch, which is made for the people who love the prequel trilogies and the Clone Wars. We just had this Lego holiday special for that same sequel generation. We're getting stuff for all the same generations. So rather than focusing on, well, this one's better than this one, in my opinion. Don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> There's one made for you. Watch it. Be, That's cool. Be, be mindful of your thoughts. They will betray you. Yeah. I mean, just, <laughs> you didn't like it. You know, you think Boba, Boba Fett put on weight? Dude, move on. Yeah. Dude, oh, I, you know, he's, he's retired. He's Aquaman's dad. You see how he fast is. he downed that beer in Aquaman? Like, he's, <laughs> he's chilling these days. Uh, but uh, uh, Jasmine, where can we find you and your, uh, your content? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I'm um, on TikTok and Instagram at that one nerdy fangirl. Um, and my closing thoughts, I are just, well, well, first, thank you for inviting me on here. Um, it was great to talk about these characters. And just, um, I just, you know, I really love this community, the people I've, I've met. I've met so many great friends that I get to talk about, you know, Star Wars about and really go in depth into these characters and um, always get to meet these new creators and stuff. And I like you guys were saying, um, I love that we're getting so much new content. And there's the community is just getting bigger and bigger as more and more content comes out. And I think that's just amazing because, you know, all these new generations are going to get to grow up with Star Wars. It's not going to yeah. be like, a, oh, those old movies from whenever. It's going to be like, no, there's it's still happening. And, you know, they're going to get to see all this, all this history of Star Wars, you know, all these shows, all these books. And I think that's just amazing. Yeah. Awesome. I love it so much. Thank you everyone for, for, for coming out. Uh, honestly, like you guys... Um, you know, I, I say this all the time, but 2020, you know, this this year has not been the easiest year. I actually had uh, a really good friend pass away on this day last uh, year. And then uh, and then we had, you know, I, I lost my job. We had COVID. We had uh, a lot of, you know, negative stuff involving people that look like me. Um, <laughs> and it's it's just been an an interesting year all around, and so you know, having found you know, this awesome little weird little community. I mean, str straight up, me and a good friend of mine went to Star Wars Celebration 2015. There, I met people who ended up finding me a roommate 
down here in San Diego and me moving down here is how I met my wife and all this stuff. It's all, it was all connected through Star Wars. So if anyone tells you oh, it's just a movie, they're wrong. Right. <laughs> um, and I, I appreciate having you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate having you guys as part of the community. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, may the force be with you always. May the force, oh. be, may with the force be with you. May the force be with you. Another happy landing. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs>